Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. This is Sumaya hosting a call tonight on Saturday. And um, most of you know that the calls are for support and activism, for coping skills, shielding, and every avenue and every possibility of helping ourselves through these times. I'd like to start the call with a little reading that would hopefully be an encouragement. Dear friends, we're living in challenging times. Even the most centered and resilient person can feel anxious, can begin to feel powerless in the face of such past-paced change and uncertainties. How do we cope? How can just one person make a difference? Stop, breathe, be present and grateful for this moment right now. Know that God's presence is constantly within and around you, leading you always towards your highest good, the most perfect manifestation of what is uniquely you and right for you. Every action begins with one person and one voice. I'm here to remind you that peace is within you and that you have the creative power to shape your life. Even just a beautiful image or an affirmation can bring you back to your center and remind you that no matter what is happening around you, you can shine your light into the world and be a force for good. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Tonight we have a special guest. His name is Emil Zitafel, and he is, I believe, the owner. Is that right? Yes, that's Yes, of Less EMF, and um, many of you already know about LessEMF.com and have already ordered some of his products, and he's going to help us answer many of the questions that we field on these calls. Some are going to be basic and some are going to be more technical, and I want to open the floor to Emil just by saying thank you for being here and taking the time out of your busy schedule. And can you give us a background on how did you get started and what inspired you to start such a timely company? Sure, I'd be happy to. Good evening, everyone. We started this company in 1996, so it's been 20 years now that we've been doing electromagnetic field safety exclusively. Um, At that time, well, let me back up further than that. My my education as, is as an engineer, and then I went on to practice dentistry for some time. When I retired from that in 1994, I was kicking around for something to do. I volunteered for a year at a clinic that worked with autistic children, and then decided at, just as something else to do, I was, had an interest in electromagnetic fields and decided I would look into it. At that time, there was very little information and certainly very little products available. 
and decided that it needed to be made available. So I created a company to make electromagnetic field meters and shielding available to the general population. And so we've been doing that for 20 years now, solid. And um, the company is located in Albany, New York. We have an actual store there. Uh, we stock all the things that we sell, and people are welcome to visit us if they're in the area, although we do most of our work online and by phone as we, our customers are all over the world. That's great. And um, so 20 years of providing these products, can you just give us a little more about the engineering background? Is it electrical engineering, civil? What, what particular engineering is that? Um, my studies were in chemical engineering. Oh, huh. Well, that uh, that brings me to the idea that maybe you would have uh, some future products that can help with these bioreactive polymers, which are in our environment and in our chemtrails. But we can save that for later. Okay. And go ahead. Do you, are you sure. familiar with that? No, I'm not. No. Ah, okay. Well, then we'll skip that part. So let's get started with some of the questions that maybe would help our new listeners. If we have anybody new on the calls, they would want to know, how do you define EMFs? What are EMFs? Right. So EMFs stands for different things to different people. In the context of what we're talking about, we're going to relate to EMFs as electromagnetic fields. And these are the energetic traces that are left behind when charged particles move through space. So if you have electrons moving through a wire or the ions in your body moving around or even the, uh, the beating of a heart where you have electrical conductivity going through the cells of the muscle and the nerves there, it leaves this trace in space uh, as a result of the movement of the charged ions. And they can come in the form of electric fields and magnetic fields. At low frequencies, the electric and magnetic fields are two separate and distinct things. Uh, we measure them separately, we shield them separately, and we think about them in, as two different things. At higher frequencies, they're coupled, meaning the electric and magnetic fields are somewhat inseparable. And so if we measure one, we know the other. If we shield one, we block the other. And so it's important to distinguish when we're talking about electromagnetic fields which kind we're dealing with. Fundamentally, from what our perspective of what we do for everyday common electromagnetic fields, we categorize them into four different categories. In the low frequency, as I mentioned, we have the electric and magnetic fields. These come from, typically in, in a home or office environment, come from wherever you have electricity, so wiring, appliances, lighting, anything that's plugged in. Then we have high frequency. This is what we would refer to as the wireless communication, so Wi-Fi, cell phones, TV broadcasts, radar, all these kind of things. And then we have an intermediate or fourth category that's not high frequency, not low frequency, but somewhere in between, and we generally refer to that as dirty electricity. This is an intermediate frequencies that we find on the wiring of a building. It gets injected in there by the things that we have plugged in, so fluorescent lights, uh, phone chargers, uh, dimmer switches, and smart meters are, are typical sources for this dirty electricity. They inject this signal into the wiring. It spreads 
throughout the building on the wiring and then is rebroadcast. And it's particularly biologically active, so this is why we pay special attention to that category, give that a category of its own. So tonight, if we can, we'll focus on those four different categories, talk about the different ways in which we measure them, talk about the different ways in which we mitigate them. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And why are these four categories of electricity dangerous to humans or animals? Right. Because just as our, uh, the ions in our bodies can create electromagnetic fields, they're also impacted by them. And so when you take a living organism and you subject it to electromagnetic fields, it causes the charged particles, the electrons, the ions, the sodium, the chlorine, chloride ions, all these things in our bodies, to move, to shake, to move, to be pulled all to one side. And it disrupts the natural flow of the biochemistry within the cell and between the cells. This biochemistry is very, very subtle. Uh, the work of Dr. Martin Paul has recently revealed how completely subtle the, uh, the cell membrane or what the activity that takes place in the cell membrane to keep bad things out and to keep good things in and to regulate the transfer of chemicals from inside the cell to outside is highly sensitive to electromagnetic fields. And while physicists will discount the idea that electromagnetic fields can be biologically active because in their mind they don't carry enough energy to break a chemical bond, which is their gold standard for uh, whether or not an electromagnetic field can influence a molecule, what they don't take into account is the biological environment in which you have many different chemicals interacting, coupling with each other weakly, in other words, the hydrogen bonds in the, in the water are coupling with the, the various fats and proteins. The DNA uh, shape is not a, a chemical bond function. It's just a function of the very weak attraction between different points within the long strand that cause it to bunch up or coil up in a certain way, exposing certain parts of the DNA strand and actually hiding or covering certain parts so that they, those are not active. You bombard these with electromagnetic fields, and then all of a sudden things are not shaped or positioned or interacting in the way that they should be. And it creates all kinds of havoc in the cell, including breaking the DNA strands, including allowing toxins into the cell, uh, disrupting the cell's ability to regulate calcium flowing in and out of the cell. And this creates, creates tremendous stress on the cell. And, of course, cells being the, the wonderful little sources of wisdom that they are will do their best to compensate and can do so to some extent, but there's some threshold at which they become overwhelmed. And this threshold is different for different people depending on your overall health, your age, your state of nutrition, how much other irritant is going on, if there's pesticides or preservatives or you know other chemicals, amalgam, uh, mercury, and so on in your body. And these will all have an impact on uh, uh, setting the threshold above which the cells can no longer compensate. So, it's, so the exposure, you know, safe exposure levels are going to be different for different people, right? For some people, they can tolerate, uh, for example, smoking their whole life and not develop cancer or not develop emphysema, those kind of problems. For some reason, or for many reasons, their tolerance to the nicotine and tobacco and so on is much higher. 
than someone else who might smoke for just a short while and develop health issues from it. That's the same way with electromagnetic fields. We don't know all of the factors, for sure, but, there, but uh, science is making inroads into understanding the biochemistry of the interaction of, of electromagnetic fields with the cells. But from my perspective, we don't need to understand every little bit of it. We know that it's biologically active. We know that it's used for benefit in some cases. Uh, some medical practices will use pulsed electromagnetic fields or TENS units to stimulate with electromagnetic fields for the purpose of healing or pain control. So I don't, I don't understand why scientists and why medical professionals don't see electromagnetic fields as highly biologically active when they're actually using them themselves already, uh, for benefit, of course. But, uh, but the flip side is that they can have many negative effects. And you don't have to be in our office for very long. The phone is ringing all day long from people who are waking up to the idea that their headaches, their sleeplessness, their heart palpitations, their diabetes, the uh, irritability of their autistic children is all being caused by uh, the exposure to Wi-Fi and to cell phones and to TVs and computers and fluorescent lights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we see it. We hear from our, our people all over the world every day, all day long, about the people who are more sensitive and who are becoming sick or those who know them and love them and are concerned about them or concerned about themselves becoming sick with too much exposure. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. That You explained that very well about tolerance levels in a way that I hadn't heard before. Um, so that was really helpful, I think. And um, I, we do see that some people are more tolerant than others. Some people are just really sensitive and uh, they don't know why they became sensitive, but they can't be around Wi-Fi anymore or, you know, they, they've gone to, like, off-the-grid type living, you know. And it's understandable. It's just hard to explain to people who are walking around with their iPhones next to their brains all the time and not noticing a difference in their health yet. So it's very difficult for them to to see or hear how that might affect others as well as, um, you know, what might happen to them down the road, what might be happening to their DNA. And we know that there are some studies already done that the DNA is changing in the fetuses who are unborn, um, you know, that there may be a higher incidence of um, mutation because of it in the future, but maybe they're not there yet to... Well, no, you're, you're absolutely right. There's a, a lot of research done with sperm quality, sperm mobility, and sperm viability when exposed to electromagnetic fields. And so uh, because it's much easier to expose the male sperm than it is the woman's egg, it's much easier to study it so that the quality of the sperm is, is downgraded tremendously when it's exposed to electromagnetic fields. And so fertility mm -hmm. rates... Uh, uh, you know, amongst couples, because of the low, lower quality sperm is dropping, and the concern, of course, is that those who do become pregnant is the fetus has the fetus been affected because of the father's exposure. So it's certainly a concern for future generations that have not even been uh, born yet, but their parents have been exposed. 
this has been true going way back. You know, when we started in 1996, the issue was electric blankets and power lines uh, and microwave ovens. Those were the three big issues back then. Uh, and then along came, right around that time, came computer monitors, and people were being exposed. You know, they were coming into the workplace. And then it evolved through that. You know, as you know, we've added more and more. Then came cell phones and then Wi-Fi and then, you know, this and that, baby monitors and everything else piled on top of it. So th there's no question that in the last 20 or maybe call it the last 50 years, our exposure levels just keep rising and rising at an alarming rate. And so our total burden is rising at, a total, at an alarming rate. And it's ridiculous that th this is being done without really any awareness by the general population and certainly with very little concern by the professional community about the health effects. They just keep rolling out. Now they're going to be rolling out the 5G for cell phones, much higher frequencies that yeah. have yeah. not been that have not been studied well at all and they're just going to roll this out and expose the entire planet to it uh before we before we know what the consequences are going to be absolutely and you not, know not another that. another hazard is like uh when they have a lot of children in a family and they run out of babysitters they stick them in front of the satellite tv or the iPhones and keep them busy with you know, electronic games where they're getting radiated the whole time that they're sitting there, you know, and they could be two years old all the way up to go to college and constantly in front of Wi-Fi signals or every kind of signal in the data suit that we live in. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the child, the yeah. children are becoming addicted in a sense to being with electronics and they, they, it's very hard to find a teenager these days who would be willing to be without their phone for a weekend you know so oh, it's, my it's, goodness. It's, yeah. it's an issue and then bringing them to bed and keeping them under their pillow all night long and it's you know the list goes on and on it's just it's just really out of hand and so i think it's great that you you're doing these conferences help raise awareness amongst the listeners and then they can help spread the word to their friends and family about the dangers involved and try try as they might to influence uh influence opinions about the safety of this. I know how difficult it is. I have a teenage daughter. She has worked in the office in on summer vacations and still it's hard to convince her to uh to use her electronics safely. It, so I know how difficult it is to to uh convince others of the issue. Yeah. Uh, I want to welcome the newcomers to our call. Just very quickly, we're at the 40-people mark, and uh, we're interviewing Emile Dutoffel, the owner of Less EMS, a very uh, popular and successful company located in New York, but you can also go to lessems.com for more information. We're continuing our interview, and um, we're we're looking at some of the ways that um, we can begin to handle these large doses of the four categories of electricity that you mentioned, of EMS signals, data, um, resonance, dirty energy. Um, so where would you suggest people begin when they want to handle, at least at the basic levels, maybe they have a a little budget for it, but maybe not a lot of money. How would you go? 
Sure. Well, most people, when they uh, decide that they want to do something about this, have a specific source or specific issue that they're aware of and they want to address. And I think that's great as a, as a catalyst for change. Generally speaking, though, in addition to that source, there are going to be a multitude of other electromagnetic issues in their life. And remember, we're talking about your total burden throughout the day of exposure to these four different types of electromagnetic fields. So, for example, you may work at an office and the Wi-Fi router may be p placed right above your workspace, let's say, and you feel that it's causing you problems. You're having headaches with it. Uh, it's affecting your irritability and so on. And so you've identified this particular source and this particular problem in your life, and that's great. But I would challenge you to think about the threshold level and how your exposure throughout the day, even at night when you're sleeping or away from the office, your exposure there is adding to your total burden and therefore pushing your body ever closer to that threshold or maybe above the threshold at which your body can compensate. So reducing exposure when and where you can becomes uh, an important issue. Now, you're never going to get to a point where you have zero exposure. It's just not possible anymore uh, if you're going to live in civilization. But if you make a, even a small effort, you can identify the major players in your world and take action to control them. And the place to start to begin to do this is to get some meters. There is no way you're going to be able to identify the, the electromagnetic problems in your home, in your workplace, in your school, in your car, unless you have meters. You can guess. You can look at stuff. So often, we'll have a customer call and say, oh, they built this cell tower, and I can see it out my window, and I'm concerned that I'm getting radiation from it. And so we'll, we'll have a conversation. They'll buy a meter. They'll start making some measurements, and they'll say, you know what? When I point the meter at the cell tower, I'm not really getting any radiation. But I was shocked to find out that the cordless phone that's by my bed is radiating very strongly. And so it's a classic example of you can't see it, you can't smell it, you can't know it's there until you go and get a meter and start making measurements. Now, I know some people are sensitive and they can feel these things, and that's fine. And you can identify some things in your, in your environment that way. But I would, I would think, still encourage you strongly to get a meter because there's going to be a lot of sources that might not be quite so intense but are still adding to your total burden that you can and should identify and mitigate. So getting That's good. Meters. Yeah, so what would be, um, we've heard people talk about tri-fields, and, you know, for a beginner, somebody who doesn't have an electronics background, what, what's the best way to start with meters? Because they seem to be very technical and above people's uh, knowledge. Sure. So let me recommend some specific meters to use for each of these four categories of electromagnetic fields. The you don't need a fancy meter. You don't need an expensive meter, honestly, to begin. You need a meter to let you know, is the radiation high or not high, really, right? If you want to go further and you want to know exactly how high it is and so on, there you can. But for a beginner, some place to start, let, let me recommend for you three meters that will cover the bases for you. You mentioned the tri-field meter, and I think that's a fabulous meter as a starting point. It will measure for you perfectly the electric fields and the magnetic fields. Remember, we talked about those as the low frequencies 
coming from things that are plugged in. You want to think about it that way, and the wiring itself. So the trifeometer's got a nice big needle gauge on it, reacts very quickly. You could run down the hallway with it, and that needle will be bouncing up and down as you pass by the various sources. makes it very easy to hunt around a room and identify where the radiation is coming from. And it just has one button on it. You turn it to electric, and you're reading electric field. You turn it to magnetic, and you're reading magnetic field. I also like that right on the face of the meter where the needle is, you have numbers, of course, and then you have a red line, which is dotted at the low end in the sort of safe, recommended safe level. So you can tell just by looking where the needle is, am, am I above the recommended level or not? So it's a terrific meter. It's not that expensive. Uh, it's, it's affordable for, for really most everyone. And it'll get you a great start on the low frequency uh, mm -hmm. work that you're going to do. That's really good. Now, if somebody's already more experienced, what would you suggest for them? To get more accurate readings. Yeah, to get more accurate readings, you can use a digital, a, a meter with a digital readout. That means this is a, num a meter that has a display on it that gives you a number. Remember, the needle gauge gives you a number. The needle, you know, points to some number on the scale. If you need higher precision, or maybe you need more range, or maybe you need more sensitivity, right? For example, if, you, if you're especially sensitive to magnetic fields and you need to measure even the slightest amount, then you might need a meter that's even more sensitive than the trifield meter. And we have those as well. We have one called the Professional Combination Meter. This one does electric and magnetic fields as well. Um, it, it has a digital display on it. It has a switch that switches between electric and magnetic. It also gives you a number. It's... Uh, 20 times more sensitive than the trifield meter, and it also produces a sound. So it, the sound will correspond to the intensity of the radiation and the quality. So you can actually hear a different sound when you're measuring the magnetic fields from your computer, for example, or from a fluorescent light or the nice 60 hertz hum that you hear uh, from the yeah. front lines. So you can oh, what can, hear, hear what can you tell us about? I'm sorry. I just maybe think of these these uh, super saver bulbs, those little compact fluorescent bulbs. What kind of readings do you get off of those? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, the compact fluorescent bulbs will have a distinctive sound when you listen to them with with one of these meters, and they're going to produce a very high uh, electric field and magnetic field inside the bulb. In the base of the bulb, there's a transformer because the bulbs take a high voltage. And so it's taking the 110 volts from the wall and uh, ramping it up to a much higher voltage. Uh, it's the voltage that produces the electric field. So the higher the voltage, the more the electric field. And so you'll be getting a very strong field from those kind of bulbs. LED bulbs have a transformer in them to bring the voltage down. And so it's the transformer that's the culprit. And so some LED bulbs are very electromagnetically dirty and, and some are not. The good old incandescent bulbs that they're forcing us to do away with have the lowest emissions. Uh, and if you've got those, uh, you may want to hang on to them and don't switch out until you absolutely can't get any more. Uh, and if they are still available, sometimes you can still find them in your dollar stores or in your uh, discount stores. They, they're still available. I would stockpile them because they're not going oh, yeah. to be available uh, for very much longer. Oh. Yeah, I, you know, there was a, a phase where people were like, oh, we're going to go with all of these bulbs, and they switch out everything in their house 
to the compact, you know, which we've found out have bad uh, mercury in them. You're not supposed to touch them. You know, they're really toxic. But for some reason, there was a whole fad where people were switching out every single bulb in their house to those. And, right. And, uh, you know, the point is they do use less electricity. There's no question there. So there's an electricity mm-hmm. savings to be to be had. But at what price? At what price is right. And what they're not telling you is more dangerous than what they do. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is really helpful. Um, you know, out, out of all the meters, and this is because, you know, I'm a counselor and an artist, and I find myself attracted to these ghost hunter meters, and I don't know if that would be a viable, you know, way to go um, just to you know, sense the energy in your room. Um, What do you think about those? Well, let's be clear. Ghost hunting equipment or paranormal research equipment is simply scientific equipment that's being used for that purpose, Mm -hmm. right? So it's going to be a magnetic field meter or an electric field meter, (coughs) or it might be some other type of equipment like a vibration sensor or a light sensor or something along those lines. But it's basically a way of monitoring the environment, and that's all it's doing. It's monitoring the environment for the kind of energy that we're already familiar with, whether it's light energy or sound or vibration or electromagnetic energy. And just because it detects something doesn't mean that there's a ghost there. It means that there's, there's there's this phenomenon happening. Now, it's Uh up to the researcher to determine, okay, well, is there some sort of common or normal reason for it, you know, cause for it? Like uh, there's a light switch right nearby or there's a, you know, there's wiring in the wall in this area. Or is there no other explanation other than a paranormal one, let's say? Yeah. Well, that's uh, just a curiosity on my part, and I just thought maybe somebody else had the same question. Um, so let's move along now, and so let's say you find these hot spots in your home or office. What are the best steps to take for mitigation or for you know attenuating attenuating right. the frequencies? Right. Absolutely. So let me just take one more second here. We talked about uh, meters, so detecting is the first step always, mm-hmm. and we talked about the, the trifield meter and the professional combination meter for low frequency. For high frequency, if, you, if you're concerned about high frequency, Wi-Fi, cell phone, cordless phone, that sort of thing, you'll need a different kind of meter. You need a meter that can measure those higher frequencies. And the one that I would recommend here for a beginner, for a budget-minded person, is called the Acousticom 2. Acousticom 2. This is a meter that covers a nice wide frequency range inexpensive, and couldn't be easier to use. It has an on-off button only with a series of lights that indicate the strength of the field and the sound feature, which you can turn on and off. So you can have just the lights or you can have the lights and the sound. So with this device, the Acousticom 2, you can go around and check for sources of Wi-Fi and cell phones and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Finally, in the fourth category, to measure for the dirty electricity, there's a meter that you actually plug into the outlets. You go around your home and check each of the outlets. You plug this meter in. It's called the Stetzerizer Microsurge Meter. Microsurge Meter. Mm -hmm. Very inexpensive and very simple. You plug it in, you get a number. 
And you want that number to be low, of course. And if it's uh, reading high, that means you've got dirty electricity on that circuit. You would go and check the circuits. You'll find as you turn lights on and off and you turn the TV on and off, you will see the impact that it has on injecting that uh, dirty electricity into the circuit. Now, by the way, you're going to notice it even if you're, on, if you're checking a, an outlet that's different from the outlet where the TV is, for example, is plugged in because, as I mentioned, that radiation travels on the wiring throughout the home. So with those three meters, you can cover all four categories of electromagnetic field and determine where the hotspots are in your home. Uh, and, of course, you're going to be checking where the people are. That's the important part. If there's high levels up in the attic, let's say, where nobody goes, that's not that important. But if there are high levels in the bedroom or in the kitchen or at the couch where people spend time, then the next step is to go around and hunt down the source or sources for those fields. So that's the detection part of it. So let's say you've done that and you identify in your home, I've got high magnetic fields over here in this part of the home. I've got high um, levels of high-frequency radiation in this part of the home. Now what do I do about it? Which mm -hmm. is the question yeah. that you asked a moment ago. There you go. All right. right. So, there, so there's three three strategies here for dealing with high levels of electromagnetic field. I call them the three Ds. Distance, deactivate, and deter. Let me explain to you what I mean. Just like with a candle, the closer you put your hand to it, the more intense the heat is. And so with electromagnetic fields, that's true. The same thing is true. As you get closer to the source, the more intense the radiation is. As you get further away, the less intense it is. So if you find a source, you have to think about, is there some way I can increase the distance between this source and the people? So a classic example here would be an electric alarm clock that's on the nightstand next to your bed. These will generally be putting out a high level of electromagnetic field. And the simplest solution here is to take the thing and just move it across the room. If you put it on your bureau or your dresser across the room, you're going to find that your exposure at the bed is dramatically decreased. It costs you nothing. It's very simple to do. It means you have to get up when the alarm rings, but you know it's a very simple and very effective strategy. This can be used in, in other cases as well. If you have a desktop computer, there's absolutely no reason why the printer and the tower have to be immediately at your fingertips or at your feet. Take those things and move them away. If you need to get extension cables so you can move them four, six, eight feet away, and you reduce your exposure dramatically. Think about that as one of the strategies. Not all strategies will apply to all things. It's not so easy to move your refrigerator further away, although I know many people who have put them out in the garage or down in the basement or gotten them out, actually out of the kitchen. But the point I want to make is there are three strategies here. When you think about a specific source of radiation, one or two of the strategies might make more sense than the others. And, of course, you go with the one that makes the most sense. Very right? so good. So, yeah. so, again, distance. And what were the other two now? All right. Deactivate and deter. Deactivate. So let's and talk deter. about the others. Yeah. Okay. So deactivate. By deactivate, I mean turn off the source. So if, uh, if you can, if the thing has a power button on it, turn it off. So some examples here might be um, I had a, a client who I visited her home, and we checked out the house, and there were some issues going on there. 
the dishwasher in the kitchen. It was a, it was a very small galley kitchen, so it was a very tight space, and you had to be right in front of the dishwasher if you're going to be doing almost anything in the kitchen. And the display, you know, that little lighted display in the dishwasher produced a very strong field. And I come to find out that she only runs the dishwasher just before she goes to bed. So she needs the dishwasher to be on and functioning from, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night until midnight or so. And so my recommendation to her was put the dishwasher on a timer. So that the timer comes on, 10 o'clock, you have power to the dishwasher, you turn it on, you go to bed. Midnight, the dishwasher's done running, the power's shut off. And so the entire other 22 hours of the day, there's absolutely no electricity and no EMFs coming from that dishwasher. So it's only running, it's only powered and only running when there's no people there. You can do the same thing with your, di- uh, with your refrigerator. There are timers that available that you can set 14 different on-off cycles during the day. So imagine you set your refrigerator on a timer and you put it to be off during, let's say, meal preparation time. So when you're typically in the kitchen, maybe breakfast and lunch and dinner hour, when you're there. So it's off for that hour or two when the people are near the thing. Um, Turning things off completely might include getting rid of your microwave oven, right? Microwave oven, a very dirty source of electromagnetic fields, both from the perspective of the high frequency, the microwaves that actually used to cook, and the strong magnetic fields that come from the display and the other electronics in the thing. It really isn't a good uh, shielding solution for a microwave oven, so I would recommend disabling it, meaning unplug the thing. If it's built in, then leave it there. Use it to store your canned goods if you want, but don't power it. It's very dirty. Turn it off. Get rid of it. Take it out to the curb if you can. Mm-hmm. Shut it off. I I always had a very strange feeling when they first brought microwave ovens into the marketplace. I stayed away from them for more than 10 years. I just didn't want to have it around. Mm-hmm. Then I moved into a place. There was one given to me, and I started using it, but every time I heated up some coffee or something, I felt really negative about it, mm. but I would do it anyway. So I eventually I gave them away, and I sold the last one uh, before I moved to my house. Yep. And I don't have microwave ovens anymore. Right, good for space. you. Right, and so you've done yourself a lot of good by doing that. I know it's convenient. I know it's quick. I know it's easy. But you have to think about you have to think about what price am I paying for this convenience. So mm-hmm. turn things off, put them on timers, get rid of them altogether, use them less. You know, these are all strategies for decreasing your exposure by deactivating, right? That second D. Right. That's we can talk right. about Thank lots you. of other examples if you like. Mm-hmm. All right. And then yeah. the third yeah, one one little suggestion that, you know, if you have one of these multiple plugs, you know, for, say, your electronics, your computer, your kitchen things, um, what I do is I always turn those off at night so there's no electricity going to pretty much anything except maybe a fan or two. Um, and I like the idea of putting the refrigerator on a timer because that is on, like, all the time. So one want to find a way to slow that down without actually going in and turning the off switch to it. Yeah, trying to remember. Yeah, 
yeah, you bring up a great point. Those power strips where you can plug in six or eight things generally will come with a switch on them. And instead of plugging and unplugging things all the time, you just flip the switch, as you say, uh, at night or in the morning or whenever it is that you're, you need to use those items and flip it off when you don't. The TV, so, so many of our electronics now, even when they're off, are not truly off and are still, A, consuming electricity, and B, producing electromagnetic fields. You'll be shocked when you go over to your computer with your meter. I'm sorry, when you go over to your TV with your meter and you start making measurements and you say, why am I getting strong fields here? The thing is off. Well, it's not off. You know that if there's a little light shining on it, it's not truly off. And the, the electronics are in there listening and waiting for you to hit it with the remote control and tell it to power up. And so these things are using electricity and producing fields 24-7, whether you use them or not. So putting them on a switch, uh, whether you use a power strip or an individualized switch, or some people will even use their circuit breaker box to turn off an entire section of the home, for example, the bedroom section of the home at night, uh, so that you have a nice, quiet electromagnetic space for sleeping. That critical yeah. time when your body's repairing and recovering and trying to rest very important to have it be a, a electromagnetically safe environment. Mm -hmm. So that's great. This, and this then this last one is waste. to deter. Deter, um, and, and yeah. that really means to shield, right? So there are some things that you can't really move away. There are some things that you can't really turn off, and so we can use shielding to reduce the electromagnetic fields. Now, when you think about shielding. Uh, we're going to think about different shielding materials depending on which type of EMF we're dealing with. And we're going to think about do we want to shield the people? In other words, put the shielding on the people. Or do we want to put the shielding on the source of the radiation? And again, depending on what the problem is, one, one of those might be easier to do than the other. So let me give you some examples here. If you're in an environment where you have to have Wi-Fi, most Wi-Fi routers are grossly overpowered, and you know this is true because you can pick up Wi-Fi from your neighbor and from your neighbor's neighbor, and maybe as far as five houses down, you can pick up their Wi-Fi signal. And there's no, absolutely no reason why that Wi-Fi has to be that strong. Uh, what it means is two things. Number one is that your neighbors can mooch off of your Wi-Fi, but more importantly, you're getting five times as much radiation as you need to from that thing. Um, not that I'm encouraging people to have Wi-Fi. I mean, the real solution there is to get rid of the Wi-Fi and run cables, right? But if you're in a situation where you have to have Wi-Fi, then you can put a shield on the Wi-Fi router. There's uh, different kinds of shields. There's one called a signal tamer, which is a shielded pouch, and there's a router guard, which is a uh, shielded box. And you put, the, put these over the router, and they reduce but don't kill the Wi-Fi signal. So they'll reduce it by about 90%, which means that you can still get the Wi-Fi signal ab out about half as far as you used to. So your your computer still works. You know, your, your electronics that are connected to it can still function, but you can't drive down the street and still pick up the signal. So it reduces your radiation burden by 90%, reduces your range by about 50%, and it's a very simple and straightforward way, if you must have Wi-Fi, to shield it. Keep in mind, though, that the, the, that the portable device, your cell phone or your uh, laptop computer, 
is also a source of Wi-Fi and is not the radiation coming out of it is not reduced by shielding the router. But as as a simple example, you can do that for the router. Other examples of shielding. Let's say you don't have Wi-Fi, but your neighbors do, and this Wi-Fi is coming into your home through the walls and through the windows. So you can either do architectural shielding, meaning put shielding on the windows. There are shielding window films that you can put on the windows, or shielded curtains, or even uh, shielded screens that look like mosquito screens but are made of a shielding material. There are shielding paints that you can paint on the walls and shielding fabrics that you can use as a wallpaper or as a tapestry uh, or as a curtain even shield these, mm -hmm. this radiation from coming in. So architectural shielding is a possibility. There's Then there's the uh, idea of making canopies or tent-type structures. If you want to shield a smaller area, say over the bed, for example, you can uh, very quickly put up a canopy. It looks almost like the mosquito netting that you see. Uh, for people who live in tropical areas, but it's made out of a shielding uh, fabric or mesh, so it keeps the microwave radiation out. And then there's the more personal level of shielded garments. So there's all sorts of shielded clothing that a person could wear, whether they're at home, sleeping, for example, that they might use as shielded pajamas or shielded bedding, shielded sheets and blankets and duvet covers and so on. Or when they need to go out and about, if they go out into the world or the, the workplace is a place of high EMF or they go shopping. If you ever walk into one of these big box stores nowadays, or Walmart or Home Depot or so on, these places are just loaded with wireless radiation uh, from the inventory control to the cash registers to who knows what else they have going on in there. Yes, I feel that when I go into Walmart or some of these other stores. It actually makes me dizzy. And maybe they're putting some kind of subliminals in for, you know, what to buy, how much to spend, you know. I don't know what it is, but it, there is a lot of frequency in those stores. Yeah, they have a lot of electronics going on, and it makes it an electromagnetically toxic environment. Uh, as well, I've noticed it in the big box uh, pharmacy stores. And I'm not quite sure why, but they, they've got a lot of uh, Wi-Fi going on in there. And so if you need to go into these spaces, you can use uh, a shielded shirt or shielded hat. There are shielded pants and coats. I mean, just about every part of your body you, you want to shield. There's, some, there's gloves, socks, uh, even shielded eyeglasses for people who find that their eyes are bothered by this exposure. Yeah, while we're yeah talking for li about this, light sorry. sensitivity, I noticed that, mm -hmm. and also sound sensitivity. You know, the, we have... Uh, you know, high-frequency tinnitus, some of us are dealing with tinnitus and really hearing-sensitive people. It's almost like we're being stretched, like our senses are being stretched to ranges that weren't normal for human beings. I mean, I actually sometimes feel like I've get, I'm getting the hearing of a dog or a cat who can hear long distances. And... Um, actually read those sounds, so, you know, mm -hmm. where they're coming from, how far away, um, is it human or machine, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, you know, as we continue to raise our baseline of exposure, right, and we continue to approach that threshold of tolerance, we become more and more sensitized. 
And the only way for us to decrease that sensitivity is to decrease our exposure and to increase our overall health, right? Strengthen our bodies and decrease our exposure to the toxins so, and let our, give our bodies a chance to heal and calm down. You can think of it just like uh, any other irritant, like poison ivy or people who have a peanut allergy. Can you imagine if you keep throwing the allergen at them, they become more and more and more sensitized until the point where even the tiniest snowflake of allergen will cause a big reaction in them. And the only hope of decreasing that sensitivity is by strengthening the body's immunity and overall health and decreasing, uh, eliminating, if you can, exposure to the allergen. And that's true right. here in terms of electromagnetic fields. And while we're on the topic of this, and specifically in the topic of shielded clothing, I want to mention something here. Many people have called us and asked us, well, you know, I, I, I have headaches when I'm exposed to Wi-Fi. So I got a shielded hat, and I started wearing it, and I find that I still have the headaches. So we were curious about this. And so we went and did a simple experiment. We took some chicken skin, uh, fresh chicken skin, uncooked chicken skin, and we took this and we wrapped a meter in cellophane, and then we wrapped it in the chicken skin. And then we were able to make measurements from a, a radiation source with and without the chicken skin on the meter. And we found that this very thin single layer of chicken skin very effectively shielded the microwave radiation. Uh, it shielded it about 90%, which means that our skin is a very effective shield for microwave radiation. That is background levels, right? The levels that you might get when you're in a room or in a store walking around. Not so much the levels that you would get by putting a, a phone up to your head, which would be a much stronger level. So here we're talking about background levels. So we found that our yeah. skin is very effective at shielding it. So why is it then that we get symptoms like headaches, irritability, sleeplessness, chest pain, heart palpitations, and all of these symptoms that are deeper organs, deeper structures? My personal theory is, going way back to what we talked about at the beginning of the call, that the exposure to these electromagnetic fields is causing changes in the skin cells, and these biochemical changes then are released by the cells and transport through the body, you know, through circulation, circulate throughout the body and impact organs that are far from the source of radiation. So impact the, the brain, the heart, the other organs the nerves, and so on. And so that you need to be aware that the place where you're feeling the symptom might not be the place where the radiation is impa impacting. So in terms of our skin, in terms of our skin, I want you to think about your whole body as, a, as the target for this radiation and uh, the, the possibility that that might be releasing these noxious chemicals that then circulate and cause problems elsewhere. So that right. if if you're having headaches from exposure to Wi-Fi, it's reasonable to try using a shielded hat, and many people find that that works for them. Mm -hmm. It's also but reasonable you... to think if that doesn't work, you've got to you've got to cover more of your body. Is the point I'm making? Right, which is why um, some people find it helpful to wear treated leather, like leather hats or leather jackets, um, as a shield. So that oh, I, actually I makes a lot of sense. I haven't tested leather as a shielding uh, material, but it might it might be a good one. I don't know. It'll be worth checking. Yeah, 
we we hear all kinds of creative ideas on these calls. <laughs> Trust me. And uh, leather is one of the common shields that people wear that um, they can go out in public and not look silly, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, sh- short of wearing an aluminum hat, mm-hmm. uh, we still need the shielding. So we're trying to find ways to do that without, you know, standing out and being called crazy. You know, that's- sure. Right. One of the things, yeah. So, yeah, you might test leather and uh, see how that fits in with your uh, skin theory. And we'll be able to come back on a future call and uh, tell you the results of our testing. I'm going to make yeah. a point of checking that. And, of course, uh-huh. leather, you know, there's different kinds of leather, right? So it's uh, yeah. It's always challenging when you, when you embark on something like that because some leathers yeah. might have more moisture content and might be more effective shields than others. Huh. And so oh, on. yeah. And also some the way it's treated, like if it has like mm. a dye, that mm. might be uh, resistant to infrared. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that with my infrared camera, certain certain materials uh, resist or absorb that, and your regular eyes will not always see how the infrared will be absorbed. For instance, you might be wearing cotton pants, and they might be the color brown, but when you look at it in infrared, it might reflect to a light gray. Whereas uh, if your pants or your clothing has a maybe a plastic or a polymer paint, it will absorb and turn black on the infrared camera. So it's just interesting how different lenses and, and different energies will bounce uh, or not, depending on the... Uh, the material itself. Right. Okay, so let's uh, let's just quickly um, take a look here. We've got almost a full hour, and we're at 55 people. Just to give everyone an idea of what we're talking about tonight, this is Sumaya hosting, and we're interviewing Emil. Ditoffel, the owner of LessEMF.com, and several of our callers are already uh, product owners. And actually, some people have said they have used your catalog as an information educational tool. I thought that was a good idea. Hmm. You know, especially those uh, blue pages in the center of the catalog is very helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next question, which might relate to, you know, what if you're overwhelmed, which we get a lot of people who are overwhelmed with frequencies, they're getting dizzy, their eyes burn, they have pain, arthritis, you know, a lot of different symptoms are coming uh, coming forward and not really explainable by medical personnel. And what should you do if you're overwhelmed with electronic harassment? Well, that's a great question. I mean, the first step is to always diagnose properly, right? Is the symptom Are the symptoms you're having coming from electromagnetic fields or are they coming from something else? And, you know, I'll leave that for your listeners to, to investigate. You know, is it from high blood pressure or diabetes or from cancer or something else that's going on in their body that's causing the symptoms that they might be having? That's something you need to discuss with your doctor and sort out. But if you've determined that it's the electromagnetic fields and you've determined this by turning off all the power in your home or going away for the weekend, particularly if you go camping and you find 
dang, I feel much better when I'm out here in the woods or at the beach, and then I come home and the symptoms return again, that's a pretty good sign that it's an environmental issue. Okay, so uh, diagnosing is the first step. Now, once you do that and you find, holy cow, everywhere I go there's electromagnetic fields, I'm starting to get afraid here because how am I ever going to deal with this? starting to get overwhelmed. It's not just the lights. It's not just the power lines. It's not just the computers, the cell phones, blah, 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 blah. The list is exhaustive, and it can become very overwhelming. The place to begin is to first don't try to recruit the help of friends and family and your community. Don't waste your energy on that as a starting point. It's going to be a very difficult task and is only going to frustrate you further. My recommendation is begin by reducing your exposure as a starting point. Take those three strategies, the distance, the disabling, and the shielding. Reduce your exposure. Do that immediately and do that aggressively. Get meters if you, if you need to and do that. That's step one. Don't try to call the FCC and call your power company and start to complain to them that you're getting the exposure from the cell towers and power lines and so on. That's not a starting point. You're going to be banging your head against the wall and only getting more frustrated. Start with the things you have control over. That's where you'll have the biggest impact. That's where you'll have the biggest benefit, and the benefits will come the most quickly. Keep a log. Make, it, make notes of what you did do that, that helped, and you'll be able to refer back to this. Because there's so many sources, it's going to take some time to hunt them all down and address them one by one. It's also going to be a week later, a month later, it's going to be hard to remember what, what you did or didn't do or overlooked or, and so on. And so keeping a log can be very useful. I can't stress enough about... Uh, um, not wasting time and energy trying to recruit your friends and family to be interested or be uh, empathic or be concerned about this because you won't. It's not going to happen. Uh, we, we hear so often people, oh, my spouse just doesn't care. He doesn't get it. He uses his cell phone in bed when we're trying to sleep and blah, blah, blah. It, it, it's, not, it's not a worthwhile use of your uh, your precious energy at this point. If you're ill from this, you need to use what energy you have to immediately shut down your exposure, to reduce your exposure, and, get, good. and get your body yeah. strong. That's, I always say that we, you know, we live in a huge world of technology now, and we can't stop the world from the direction that it's going in. But we can try to manage what's in our environment, you know, what's in our minds and how we think about it. And that's where we have to start, and that's where we have to end every night. So um, that's one of the most helpful suggestions that, I, that I'm hearing is that, you know, work on what you can. Absolutely work on, right. Yeah, Absolutely right. because you won't be able to stop the government. You can't stop the world. We can't stop all the wars and how they're testing, you know, but we can try to manage what we have in our environment as best we can and then move on from there. However, right. I do want to... And, and for the most part, you're going to find that the majority of the radiation sources that are within your control, 
right? They're going to be your cell phone. They're going to be your computer, your TV, your fluorescent light. These are the things that are going to be giving you 90% of the radiation exposure that you have. And the other 10% is going to be coming from sources you don't control, you know, the cell phone tower or the neighbor's Wi-Fi and so on. So, yes. so be be encouraged by that. that the, there, most of it's coming from things that you do have control of. Yes. Well, now let me just pose a question to you that's been a little difficult for us, and that is uh, that the power companies are putting these smart meters on our houses, whether we want them or not, and then it's a, a whole, you know, the whole industrial warfare trying to get back to the analog meters. What do you, what's your opinion about that? And can we shield ourselves somehow? Is there something we can put over the meter itself to block the radiation? Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, sure. This is a great question and a very common one now. Um, bear in mind that there are many different kinds of smart meters that are being deployed out there. It's not just one smart meter. So the the kind you have on your house might be the kind that's different from what someone else has. So the starting point is get out your meter and go measure. Uh, I lived in a house some years ago in which they installed a smart meter. And, of course, being outraged as I was, I immediately went out there with my meter. And I stood in front of it and saw that we were getting a lot of radiation. Then understanding that what matters is the radiation levels where the people are, I went inside my house. And then the wall where it was mounted, I measured with the meter and found that I was getting no radiation whatsoever. And I was puzzled by this, so I went back outside and I looked, and sure enough, the house was covered with aluminum siding, which is a very effective shield for this type of radiation. I don't know if too many houses still have it. Now they use the vinyl siding, but this older house still had its aluminum siding on it. And so even though there was a smart meter on this particular house, there was really none of that radiation coming into the house. Uh, I feel bad for my neighbor because they didn't have the benefit of the aluminum siding. But in, don't assume because you see something that you've got radiation there. And don't assume that because I don't see it, I don't have radiation. Use your meter, number one. Right. Number two, different smart meters produce different levels of radiation. So some might be producing very strong pulses and some not so strong. So, again, use your meter to measure. Uh Another house I, I checked, there was a smart meter on there, and if you got right up close to the thing, you could pick up a faint pulse coming out of it. As you got back three, four feet, and certainly as you got inside the home, you couldn't you couldn't detect it any longer. And so that one was a smart meter, but very, with very weak pulses. And then I've seen smart meters that you can pick up a hundred feet away. So you know it, there's there's everything and ev and anything. In addition. The the uh, frequency or the, the the interval at which they transmit will be different. So some will transmit every five or seven seconds. Some will transmit more like once a minute. Some will transmit like once a day. And so it makes a big difference. How strong is the signal and how often is this thing uh, sending its signal out? And you can only determine any of that by using a meter to check. So let's say you do check and you find, I've got a problem. This is putting out a strong pulse and it's happening often enough that it's a problem for me. There is shielding you can put on the meter itself. You will see that there's an exterior type. If you go to the website and there's a whole page dedicated to smart meter shielding there. Um, there's a kind you can it's a it's a shielding that you actually wrap around the face of the of the meter, the smart meter. 
it's open on the front so that signal can still get out and beam away from your house towards the utility so they can still read your meters. Because if you kill it completely, they won't get their signal and they'll come make you take it off, right? So it wraps around and prevents that radiation from spraying backwards into the house. And then there's the mm -hmm. kind that you can put on the wall. It's a fabric-type covering that you put on the wall on the inside uh, in the area where the smart meter is to prevent that radiation from coming into the house. So depending on the layout of where the smart meter is on your house, um, you could use one or, or both of those solutions to shield it. Now, whether or not you can get this thing removed and get your good old analog meter returned is still a question of debate. Uh, Jerry Day has a website where he's offering uh, for free. You can download some uh, legal documents that you can take and require your utility company to sign before you allow them to put a smart meter on your house. And it's basically uh, uh, asking them to sign that they are going to have liability for all the damage that the smart meter is going to do. And, of course, they won't ever sign such a thing. So uh, there are strategies for getting the utility to not put one on uh, or to remove one that has been put on. Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to search the Internet for those those things. Well, what happened at my house, and I think this happens to a lot of people, is that they stick a sign on your door, we're going to be here to change out the meters with a smiley at the bottom, and that, that was it. There was no choice, no papers to sign, uh, and if you're a renter, then you really don't have a choice. You have, it seems like you have to be the owner of that property in order to have a say. Uh, that's that's really right. That's correct. If you're a renter, you, you really don't have a say in the matter. Right. I wanted to get solar panels. <laughs> but then there's a whole other con contractual agreement that you have to go through. But I still believe in solar, just for the record. Um, okay, so now let's say, let's take this on to a little more of the managing your friends and family with your sensitivities uh, or your symptoms. What would you suggest if you wanted to introduce the topic to people who are unaware, unfamiliar, they're not technically savvy, um, what would be your beginning statements, let's say? Yeah, that's a, a good question because in my experience, you know, if you're in a social environment and, uh, you know, I'll find myself at a party and the people invariably ask, oh, well, what do you do? And I'll start to explain what we do. I very often will be met with a glazed over look and, 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 and <laughs> some excuse for I, why, they, why they have to leave. So, I've seen that look. <laughs> yeah, right. So people generally do not want to hear about this, whether it's, they feel like it's too technical and they you know they don't want to get bogged down in the technical aspects of it or whether they feel threatened you know their lifestyle is being judged or criticized or threatened like somebody's going to take away their cell phone you know or take away their uh computer but people generally don't want to hear about it so it would take a, an extraordinary presentation and an extraordinary audience for there to be a connection uh that the people would actually be interested in what you have to say. Um, and so I would encourage people to just mention that, you know, have you seen the, the recent uh, literature, the recent research that's showing the harmful effects on sperm quality, on cardiac arrhythmia, on brain tumors? Uh, 
that's been associated with cell phone radiation, computer radiation, power lines. Um, yeah. I might I might talk about someone you know who has symptoms. Oh, I have an uncle who can't be near uh, the Wi-Fi or near his refrigerator. He has seizures or he has, you know, whatever mm-hmm. his uh, issue might be. Um, but if you present it in an alarmist fashion, I can assure you you're going to be met with resistance. People are going to say, oh, that's nuts. Oh, that can't be right. Oh, you're making it up. The people, if if they've not made the connection in their own mind, they're going to see it as alarmist, and they're and they're they're going to shut down their attention very quickly. Yeah, yeah. The way you language it, uh, the words you choose, the emotion that you convey, has a lot to do with how it is received or not. So yeah, that's a very good suggestion. And it mirrors what I've been saying for a long time, that even if you are uh, symptomatic, you have pain, that screaming at somebody, please listen, 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 is going to send them off not listening, and you'll become more isolated than before. So it really counts, you know, self-control of your emotions and your language can really make a big difference in how you educate others on these uh, uh, issues. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you're sensitive and you're, let's say, in a public space, let's say you're on the bus and someone there is using their cell phone in the seat next to you and it's, you know, it's hurting you. Uh, to, to your point, I, I would much rather see you approach them this way. Um, excuse me, I know I hate to be a bother, but there's this thing about the cell phone, the radiation from it is very uh, painful for me. And I... I I hate to inconvenience you, but would you mind just turning it off for the few minutes while we're together here on the bus? As opposed to, hey, stupid, that don't you know that radiation is killing both of us? You know, you're going to get a very different reaction to those two approaches. And so to your to your point, how you word it and and whether you recruit their help or whether you demand their help is going to make a big difference in, in the results you get. Agreed, yeah. Because if we can get people to see our side, um, and it's really through education and repetition that we can get people to understand and to really, you know, work with us rather than against us on these issues. Agreed. Okay, so um, we're, I don't know how many people are in the room right now, but I think we're between 60 and 70, and we have a few people who have star-aided. I want to open the floor to some questions and answers, and I'm going to start with Southeast Arizona. Are are you ready to take some questions, or did you have something else you wanted to share? That, no, that'd be fine. That'd be great. Okay. We have a few people who have some questions for you. Southeast Arizona, you are unmuted, okay. and you're on the air. Okay, well, I got on the plate, and um, so I I didn't hear the first hour. But so my question is, like, I'm not electromagnetically uh, sensitive. I I only get gain stalking and like remote neural monitoring. But I have a microwave, and I'm thinking to get rid of it, and maybe I should just get rid of it anyways. Would you suggest that, even though? Um, you know, I, I don't get hit with weapons and stuff like that. 
Uh, yes, for sure. We talked about this in the first hour. The microwave oh, is one of the dirtiest sources of electromagnetic fields in your home, producing both high-frequency microwave radiation and low-frequency magnetic fields. And yes, I strongly encourage people to get rid of their microwave ovens, or if you if it's built in, to simply unplug it and 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 not have it be energized. Yes. Okay, I really with, appreciate that. Question. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Or give it away, you know, or just use it for storage. Yeah. 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 Mhm. Thank you so much. And anything else? Anything? No, else? I I I don't get hit, and I I don't know much about this stuff. So let other people who are uh, sensitive let them ask questions. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, hang around. We'll have an open discussion later. Okay. Um, Strider22, you are unmuted. Well, you're the one who attacked me and threw kerosene all over the... Hang on a second. Strider22, do you still want to be unmuted? Okay, star eight, when you're ready. Okay, New York, you are unmuted and you're on the air. Hello? Yes, yeah. hi. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Um, I'm kind of like what you call a ghostbuster. You know, people ask me to come to their houses and help them. Sure. Now, the one, the one thing that I've come across when they ask me about, well, can I pursue this legally now that we know where it's coming from, blah, blah, blah. If I know my magnetic amplitude and I know my electric voltage reading, do you have something where I can pinpoint the frequency? That's what I've been being asked when I approach people to, you know, you know, present a case. Uh, what is the exact frequency? Because mm -hmm. that's what we are going by, you know, part of your complaint, as it may be. Sure. And uh, is, is yeah. there a way yeah. to really, like if, like, like if I have a spot on a wall, and I know it's coming from that spot, and I know what's behind the other side, and I just want that, I want to pick out that frequency. Do you have something sure. I can do that with? Yeah, yeah, there sure is. There's two ways to do that. One is to use a spectrum analyzer. This is a device that will measure a, a range of frequencies and show you all of the frequencies that are present. So, for example, you might see a big spike at 60 hertz, right, which is the normal electricity, and then you might see a smaller spike at the harmonics at 120, 180 hertz, and then you might see spikes at other odd frequencies, right, that can't be explained by normal electricity. So. Use a spectrum analyzer. If you go to the website, you go to lessemf.com, and you go to the uh, um, probes and accessories section, you're going to see a spectrum analyzer that connects to your computer. So it can go on a PC or on a laptop, so it can be portable. And you would attach a sensor to it, a magnetic sensor, an electric field sensor, even a telescoping and, and a antenna, different antennas. And so they use that as, a, as, as the antenna, as the sensor, to pick up the signal. You run it into the spectrum analyzer, and then on your uh, screen you will see a graph showing all the different frequencies that are present. 
what it looks like is a graph with the vertical axis is strength of the signal. The horizontal axis is the frequency. And so you'll see vertical bars at different frequencies. And these bars, some of them will be taller and some of them will be shorter, depending on the strength of that particular frequency. Yeah, I have an acoustic, I have an acoustic um, spectrum analyzer, which works quite well. But I'm, okay. I'm, dealing, so I'm dealing with something that I have to pin down. Mm-hmm. So that's the same idea. Of course, you're using, you know, you're measuring sound and looking at the frequencies there. And this, the, the same type of device is available for looking at electromagnetic fields and seeing mm-hmm. what frequencies are. And with the, with the um, antenna, depending upon which type I choose, I can, I can really, I can pretty much determine which one is the strongest from that spot. Yeah, sure. Right. Okay, that's right. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Um, by the way, Joe from New York, he's also um, got a lot of electrical um, professional experience, so um, his questions are always welcome. And his I've, insight. Uh, I, I've, done, but I've done business with you before, actually. Great. I've ordered some stuff. Great. Oh, you did? Oh, oh yeah. interesting. Sure. Mm-hmm. He's right on Latham. Yeah. Latham, yeah. New York. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, Less EMF is located out near Albany. So if anybody's in that New York area, let me give out the phone number. Or would you like to do that, Emil? Give out uh, your phone number while we still have everybody? Yeah, sure. There's a toll-free number. It's 888-LESS-EMF. That's L-E-S-S-E-M-F. And the website? And the website is www.lessemf.com. So very right. nice. Remember, less EMF. You get there either yes. by phone or by, by web. Everybody, uh, we have talked about your products on these calls. I think if we get anybody else um, who has used the products, would you like to star eight, um, ask a product question, and I will unmute you. Arizona, you are unmuted. Can and you hear me? On the air. Yeah. You are on Hello. the air. Yes. Hi, it's Flo in Arizona, the the aluminum hat lady. Hi, Flo. Hey. Well, I submitted some cartoons on my Facebook page, free downloads. I have a Wi-Fi child endangerment, a new one, and I have a family tied to the stake, only it's a cell tower with a cat and a dog, and that's in color. Flo? Yes. Would you like? Do you have a question for Emil? Uh, you can share yes. your personal thing hey, later. I have, I, okay, I have four things that I bought that saved my life, and then I have one question about my real estate fire code about the meter cover. I bought the eye shield, the silver mesh eye shield from Less EMF first to save my retinas, since that's one of the moistest organs in the body. Barry Trower says. Then I bought the silver mesh, nylon mesh head net, and then I recently purchased the, it's kind of like a T-shirt made out of the silver-coated nylon mesh. You just dip it in distilled water when you just need to rinse it. So the the silver fibers really kind of stay intact if you're careful. Right. Uh, that's the spray. Uh, then I had to buy magnetic insoles, January Curtis Bennett, 
the electrician called me from Canada and said, don't talk, get a pen, take this number down, and call this and get as many magnetic insoles as you can afford and put one under each cat bed in the cat shelter. So I did that, and I really, um, t right now I'm not wearing them, but I have uh, crystal earrings and two big crystals in my pocket. So uh, the question is that Norman Lamb from Lloyd's of London Insurance Company said that since Lloyd's of London, who sets the standard in insurance, will no longer cover smart meter fires. There's an exclusion because he says in the email that they've been drilling two holes in the top of some of those meters to cool them from 89 degrees to the legal 85, which allows moisture and debris to get in and makes it more prone to arcing and fires. Plus, an electrician in the U.S. has a video, a short video. He has a plastic smart meter in his hand, tells the interviewer it's melted here. The prongs made in China are thinner metal than the analog metal, so it, with the weather it condensed and retracted to fit the larger prong. You put a thin prong in there, there's a break in the circuit, so it arcs and catches on fire. So I, I really don't want people to give the shield as a gift unless there's some kind of disclaimer. It's a great idea, but not if they're drilling holes in there. Okay, Emil, what do you what do you say about that? Uh, I I agree that smart meters are ha are a fire hazard. I totally agree with that. Uh, th this has been well documented uh, that fires have started because of because of the smart meter alone. Um, and if for no other reason, that's a good reason to get it off of your house. Now, having said that, for the time that you do have it, you still can shield it. Um, the, sh the shields that we provide do not require you to make any holes in the smart meter. Do not do that yourself. Do not ever put holes in that. I mean, you, you risk elect electrocuting yourself. So the, the shields that we offer do not require you to do anything at all to the smart meter itself. Um, so uh, the, I take your point. Do not make holes. Do not do any of that. And if you can, get the thing removed. Right, because it's a fire hazard as well as an electromagnetic hazard. So if you have evidence of a fire, then you have a legitimate reason to get the company out there and change it back, right? Well, if you've already had a fire, if you've already <laughs> had a fire, yes, they're going to have to come and replace it uh, as well. I mean, as hopefully, you, it's not house. a big enough fire that you don't lose your house, but maybe just there's a burn mark or something in the wiring that might be a good enough reason for them to come out and do it for free. Right, but Flo's point is correct that the insurance will not cover this. It's an oh, yeah. It's an exclusion in most insurance policies. Yes, right. Okay, let's keep moving on. Star rate, if you have a question for Emil de Toffel, the owner of Less EMF, and Strider, you are on the air. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. I'm using an inductive amplifier, and I'm still getting the microwave pulse screaming through the back wall uh, of the smart meter. And even putting up like a link stab and foil and grounding them to a separate ground rod, it's, it's still not bleeding it off. I, I can actually stand there from the inside of the house 
take a blood sample first, show my red blood cells are floating around in the plasma, okay, stand in front of the back side of the meter through the wall into the house, and then uh, after a minute of exposure, take another blood sample and see all my red blood cells stacked up together, which is called Rouleau. Okay, I would encourage you to evaluate whether or not you're getting radiation by using a meter. Measuring your blood rouleau levels is not an indication of the presence of radiation, right? Well, actually, according to Robert O. Becker, rouleau is, uh, is showing a sign of that happening. There's a lot of live blood work out there. Um, showing before and afters, and since I have microscopes, that's why I did that. Mm-hmm. And I'm using a spectrum analyzer to get the 902 to 928 megahertz, and also a coronet meter for intensity. Okay, so you it's are just, you so you are using a meter then? Well, yeah, I'm using meters. I'm using an inductive amplifier, which gives you a pulse rate out of the speaker. Plus, I have a frequency counter and a spectrum analyzer and the cornet meter and the DT1130, whatever that is, and the CC308. The problem is that we're still getting back feed because it's pulsing from house to house to send to a master meter. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not appearing... Uh, looking into military-grade Faraday shielding applications and the elaborate ground systems that I'm not really being able to come up with an answer uh, for all of us that's showing to get a clean ground, even using coax. And and I talked with the Boeing engineer that runs Stop Abductions and does the Velostat thought shield helmets for people, and they were using an insulated wire, so I used, uh, like, car battery cable-sized stranded copper uh, and still got readings screaming off of it, so I switched to RG coax cable uh, and just left the shield unconnected to the inside, and I'm still getting readings through an inductive amplifier. Not as intense, but okay. anyway, I'm presenting to you because I don't think you understand the full depth of some of the military-grade tech that's being thrown at us, like Scalar no, he... that's going through everything. Okay. No, he... We we don't all have that the depth information, um, but what would you like to say to that, um, Emil? For somebody like Neil is very experienced, is a long time experimenter um, and technician. So, uh, what can you say to him on his level? Okay, so there's two. There's a couple of issues that are going on here. Number one is. The, the shielding material that you choose to put on the wall, right, and the quality of it, and how many layers of it, that'll determine how much radiation is coming through the shield itself. So I, it's not entirely clear to me which shielding materials you're using there, but there may be materials that are more effective than the ones you have, maybe. Number two is the size of the shield that you put. Remember that the smart meter is spraying out radiation, you know, in all directions. So if you have a fairly small shield there, the radiation is still going to be coming into the room because it will, you know, in that one spot, you you don't have it, but in the areas around it. Okay. The grounding is an important issue, and what you ground to, of course, is an important issue. If you're grounding, right, remember that 
the smart meter will be injecting signals into the wiring of the home. So if you're if you're grounding to the the electrical system ground, you may actually be picking up that signal and connecting it to your shield, and then the shield becomes an antenna to radiate right. that signal. So okay. the ground the ground that what you ground to and the cable you use to connect can be an important issue. Finally, I would say keep in mind that the signal is coming at you not just from your smart meter, but as uh, the caller related, from your neighbors and your other neighbors as well. And so even though you may have shielded your smart meter very well, it still may be coming into the home from the uh, dozens of other smart meters that are in your neighborhood. So all of these factors taken together can make it, in some cases, difficult. And it's as the caller pointed out, it's important to have a meter. So you do something, whether it's shielding your smart meter or your cell phone or anything else, you take some action to try to reduce it. Make sure you go back and check with your meters to see if I've accomplished what I need to. Because you may be shielding the wrong source, right? You may be thinking, oh, this radiation's coming from, from this source, so I shield this source, but I still have radiation. Uh, and it may be because it's coming from other sources, right? Or you may have chosen the wrong shielding material or put it in the wrong place or installed it in the wrong way or, you know, what have you. Uh, it's important to check with the meter afterwards and then make adjustments as necessary until you actually achieve what you set out to. Yeah, I mean, we're having a problem with a double-blind study showing leveraging power lines and the double-blind study proving the frequencies that are being run through the neutral grounds of our houses. Mm -hmm. So about a foot off the ground where most of the Romex wirings running through the walls, we're, we're getting pretty intense readings off that. We have information that's showing a fiber optic interface using lily waves as a carrier wave to get the particular frequencies that they are sending uh, without sounding too technical for other people to get it, because I'm not here to talk over anyone's head. I'm not really that smart either. Uh, the wavelengths that would fit into the lengths of wire which is relative to saying if you were to make an enclosure over a waterbed like I did using the perimeter of the waterbed frame and building a, a two-by-two wooden frame with all dowels and no metal in it just so I'd have a neutral medium to work with, that by just putting up stainless or aluminum screen, that what I found is that they would become adaptive and change to a different bandwidth that would fit between the holes of the screens. So, yeah, all the YouTube demos will say, you know, put your smartphone in your little enclosure, close the door and call it, and it doesn't ring. But that's just because that's all that you've managed to block. Okay, okay. thank you so much. We have a couple more people, and we'll open the discussion up after. Thank you, Neil, for that information, and thank you for coming tonight. Okay, uh, California, you are unmuted, and you are on the air. California, you are unmuted. Okay, Southern California, you are unmuted and on the air. Yeah, I'd like to ask... Um the gentleman from uh, Last EMF, a question. Go ahead. Okay. There's approximately um, 
I don't, I'm not on my computer right now, but there's approximately, it's like a hundred and eighty something dollar coronet meter. Okay. If I take that meter outside, let's say I bought it, I don't have it yet. And what would I expect to see basically on a smart meter? What, what kind of reading would um, I expect to see on that meter? That's the number one question. And I have a, uh, another one after that. Okay. So there's two considerations here. Number one is, you know, which kind of smart meter do you have? Some are going to put out stronger radiation than others, and some are going to put radiation out uh, at uh, shorter intervals than others. So there's no way for me to predict which kind you're going you're gonna to have and therefore which kind of uh, readings you're going to okay. get. But what, mean... you're gonna, what you're going to see is there'll be a quiet period, and then there'll be a very intense pulse, and then a quiet period, and then a very intense pulse, and that's what you'll see on the meter depending, of course, on how close you have the cornet meter to the smart meter. Okay. The the thing is, is I've already gotten rid of my smart meter a long time ago. Uh-huh. But um, there's other people possibly that live in the neighborhood that have it. Sure. Right. So I, I'm not, you know, I want to check what their smart meter is doing to me. Yeah, sure. Um, but... What I'm trying to ask for is a specific frequency or tone or which, what would it come, you know, what would I see? What reading would I see on my meter? Okay, so remember the meter is measuring the strength of the signal at that moment. Uh So it's not telling you anything about the frequency. So you don't get any frequency information. What you'll see is that you'll you'll, you'll, you'll get a number, and that number will fluctuate. It'll go up and it'll go down depending on who's using their cell phone and who's using their microwave oven and whose smart meter is uh, radiating at that moment. Um, and, of course, how far you are from those devices, right? The further away you are, the, the weaker the radiation. So, again, there's no way for me to predict what you'll see, but you will see those numbers go up and down. You won't be able to tell if it's coming from a smart meter or a microwave oven or an overhead satellite, for that matter. But you'll be what you will be able to tell is how much total radiation do I have here at this moment, and now at this moment, and now at this moment. So, so that's not actually um, a specific. Like in other words, when you're talking about the RF Explorer, you're not talking. That's not a specific number on on the cornet. I didn't know that. Not sure I understand your question. The cornet meter is going to tell you the strength of the radiation at a given moment. On all the modes, because it's also for 4G and all that, it, it, it only tells the strength on all of it. Yeah, correct. The total strength okay. of all the of all the signals present. Yes. Okay. So basically, you can adjust yourself, like in in space. Like in other words, you're standing in one location. If you want to get out of where it's stronger, you go to where it's weaker. Correct. That's right. You walk around and you see, oh, there's a hot spot over here. But if I move over to the west side over here, it's not it, the radiation is much less. Absolutely. Okay, that's that's, that's good to know. Okay, then I'm just going to ask one more question for right now. Um, I've got this RF Explorer. Okay. Um, let me just say when I first got it, the the frequencies were like in the 24 to 20 uh, between 22 and 27 mega. Uh, it was two two something something, but mostly about two four zero zero something. Yeah. 
And now, ever since I called the FCC, the frequencies went down, way down. And I want you to tell me, because people say, well, go to that um, uh, radio in, radioreference.com and look it up. So I go there, put in the number, and it doesn't come up to anything. I can go through the licenses, of, but I don't match up this frequency to anything. But here, here you go. It's 359.999 minus 90.5. That's one of them. I've got five of them. But just going by this one, what, do you, what is this representing? Yeah, you, sorry, what? I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah, there are, yeah that's, that's a good question. I think you'll have to talk to somebody who does signal intelligence for that one. Okay. Okay, yeah. Thanks so much, Corey. Uh, do you think okay. you're going to have a late-night call tonight? Should we tell people? Yeah, you can do that. Okay, so probably around nine-ish, maybe. And, okay. Uh, okay, that's great. Thank you. Okay. Okay, California, you got another chance to get on the air. I can hear you. I can you hear me? Yeah, yes, hi, Linda. Hi there. Hi, Sue. Hi, Emil. I've, I've bought from you several times. Right. I have a question about um, my newest purchase, which is the Schumann Resonator. Yeah. And I have a question about um, just when I'm initially setting up to make sure that it's on and how do I test that it's on. That would be That's my first question about it. Uh, okay, so when you turn it on, uh, you should see that well, we, well, let me back up. Which device do you have? Do you have the one that has the display? $150 one. Yeah, it has a display. It's $150. It's blue. Okay. It has two pieces to it. Great. Okay. So you'll know it's on when the display is on, right? Right. When you can see the numbers, you know it's on, and it's producing a frequency. Of course, okay. The, okay. The, the, it has to be connected to the antenna in order to broadcast that frequency into the room. Okay. So if I if I have those two things, right. how do I? What am I thinking about when I'm placing the antenna? Where do I want it? Does it does it matter high, low? I don't know much about the generation of antennas. Do I want it low sure. on the ground? Do I want it in oh, the middle okay. of the room? Okay. So what the caller is asking about here is there's a device that produces an electromagnetic field which mimics the Earth's natural field. The Earth has a natural field called the Schumann resonance. It's an ionospheric phenomenon. It was discovered by Professor uh, Schumann about 100 years ago, and the primary frequency is 7.83 hertz, and then there's some harmonics beyond that. So the theory is that if you produce frequencies that mimic this, that this is a good thing. Uh, it's just like those uh, devices that make the sound of the ocean, right? If you're there and you can't sleep because you've got the sound of traffic or construction outside your, your window, you 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 get one of these things. You produce the sound of the ocean, and it's a more soothing sound, and therefore you're not as irritated by the sound of the traffic. The sound of the traffic is still there, but it's not no longer as irritating. And so this this theory has been applied to electromagnetics with a Schumann resonance device, producing a natural, more soothing frequency. The hope is that the other, more irritating frequencies, while they're still there will not be as irritating. Now, I want to say two things right away. 
This does not shield or block or eliminate those irritating electromagnetic fields. Number two, it is a theoretical or an experimental product. There has been no research, to my knowledge, showing any specific biological improvement by using one of these devices. So to answer your question directly, I would encourage you to experiment with where you position it. You can adjust two things on, on this, uh, more than two things, but the two things you're going to be interested in adjusting are the specific frequency and the intensity. Right? You can dial up the intensity or dial it back. As well, by moving the coil closer to your body or further from your body, naturally you're going to uh, impact the intensity. So you're going to How need to experiment. I, you're going to need to experiment. Um, some, some people will find a, a stronger signal feels better to them, and some people are going to find a weaker signal feels better to them. And some people are going to find that 7.8 hertz is okay, but if they increase it just a little bit, it feels better. So it comes down to doing a little bit of detective work and going by how you feel to determine what works best for, for your circumstance. Okay, in terms of the intensity, mm -hmm. which, how do I adjust when you're saying intensity, the strength of it? Is that yes. what you're referring to? Yes. There's a knob there. I think it's labeled amplitude, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, okay, okay. That's the one that adjusts the intensity. Okay, okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Are there any other questions? All right. I'm still here. I wonder if anyone else is. I just wanted to clarify. This is Neil again. Yeah. We we are doing some experiments with uh, multi-frequency frequency generators. Mm -hmm. 7.83 being a, a primary, of course, but then... Uh, Really, what we're out to do is to face cancel some of the things that might cause uh, emotional mood swings. Barry Trower came up with a a list of like you know from the low end of Hertz 0.1, which we see on our uh, erroneous spectrum analyzer. Mm -hmm. um, how do I say this? Uh, we would like to phase cancel the effects of the list that Barry Char provided us that are affecting emotion, body functions, things like that. Okay. And so um, my background is just saving my life from Lyme disease. I ended up using Rife machines, which taught me, uh, you know, frequency therapies and that everything has frequency. Mm -hmm. So by using... Uh, considering that they're adapting, this this is what many of us find we're we're adapting. I should say they're adapting to whatever we do. So if we put up an enclosure with screen from Home Depot, they adapt and they get around it and leave us frustrated, which is the case with a lot of materials or turn it into an antenna with the frequencies and doing the experiments. Um, I can send you a link, but it's uh, like bibliocades.com has frequency lists for frequency therapies uh, that are not related to killing pathogens like Royal Rife did. Um, what we're finding is that using 7.83 and some of the other frequencies that would 
make us at least feel better to help counteract uh, emotion or body control kind of things that it's not working. So I just wanted to share that with you. And I've compiled a a frequency list uh, that's always a work in progress of what's licensed to FCC, what's being used as medical body area networks and all that. The more you know, the more of a blessing it's going to be for everybody out there getting products from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to Citizens Against Harmful Technology is our website. It's citizensaht.org. And you'll see, uh, as Corey was talking about, in the 2400 to 2500 megahertz range, we're, we're seeing a lot of reports of those frequencies either being around people or related to Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, Zigbee, uh, networks that are being used with people, including uh, smartphones being pointed at people when they're out and about doing their thing, which are apparently sending GPS coordinates back to something, um, which the high-pitched ring that everybody's saying is tonight is this actually a secondary effect of remote neural monitoring. So the experiment that I noted was moving from California to Florida, driving across the country, that that high-pitched frequency would become very faint out in the middle of nowhere, like going through Texas. And then when I would hear it starting to get louder, I would look and see a, a tower off in the distance. So we're actually hooked into networks. And the more that you guys know, Uh, about medical body area network implants and the frequency ranges. If you want to email me at electricrose22 at yahoo, I'll send you my frequency list. Uh, Of course, you're welcome to all of our newsletters are archived at citizensaht.org. You could be of more service and... Uh, by understanding some of this and and seeing that basically a rogue group has gotten a hold of technologies and and they profit from things like real estate. Without rattling on and going into a bunch of detail, I think you can probably tell it this a long time. Okay, Uh, Neil, while I have you on the phone, uh, where should we send people for your Sunday night call? Um, it's either going to be one three nine seven four four at nine Eastern Standard, or it'll be one three four nine nine nine. Or we're having some management issues <laughs> right now. Okay, so we should try either one of those or both to get in, huh? Yeah, thank you. Okay, okay, thank you so much. I have a few more people. And um, waiting to hear back from Karen if she's going to have a call later. So let me know, Karen, uh, either in the chat or text me. Okay. Um, we have another Southern California. You are unmuted and on the air. Hi. Um, I have bought some stuff from you before. In fact, I have your electric smog meter, and I was just testing around my house. And you're right, the kitchen is higher, probably from all the appliances. But like in my bedroom, it's kind of high, and I don't have a lot of stuff plugged in there. So I was just wondering, do you think they could be directing energy at me, and then how would I go about getting away from that? Okay. So I would start by assuming it's a a normal, common source. 
right, and try to hunt that down. You get a helper over to the circuit breaker box and have them start turning off one circuit at a time and see if you can identify uh, where this is coming from that way. Okay. Okay, I can try that. Yeah, good luck. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit of persistence uh, to do this kind of detective work uh, because there are so many sources and potential sources for EMFs in our homes. Uh, it, it can take some real diligence to hunt down a specific source. But generally, it's doable. Look, the easiest thing to do is to, uh, again, with the, with the help of another person, stand in your bedroom with your meter, you're measuring the high level of radiation, and then have your assistant turn off all the power to the home at the main circuit breaker box. There'll be two main switches to the breaker box and flip them both so that all the power goes off in the house. If the radiation goes away, you know it's a source that is in your home. If it doesn't change at all, then it's a source that's not associated with your house. And uh, then okay. I, would start, I would start to uh, look outside the home for the source of that radiation. Yeah, because my concern is I've been targeted outside the house before, too, and they do remote neural monitoring on me. I don't know if you know what that is. So there's probably a satellite connected to me or a GPS or cell tower or something. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know what to say about that. Mo most of our experience has to do with more common sources of EMF. And because it's so ubiquitous, in other words, where you go, you go to the library, you go to the supermarket, you you know, you go to the deli, there's going to be this radiation, and it, it can feel like it's following you, but really it's just that it's, that it's everywhere. Now, whether or not there's some kind of remote monitoring going on, I couldn't say, but in, in, our, work, in our work, we deal with the kind of things that, that are more conventional, right? Wi-Fi and cordless phones and cell phones and that sort of thing, so... Um, uh, so from my perspective, that's what I would start to look for. Okay. Yeah. And if you and if that's it's good. if it's not that, then you know then then pursue other avenues. Right, and we don't expect everyone to be knowledgeable about some of the issues that we're dealing with because we are a small percentage of the population who have come together with uh, these targeting questions and pains and symptoms. But we can use some of the readily available techniques and technologies. Hang on. That are, you know, the the readily available shielding and meters and so forth are things that we can use. And while we're exploring the science of the targeting, um, we can still do what we can, and that's basically. All it is. I mean, we do what we can with what we have available to us. So we may not be able to sol solve the problems of military-grade weapons or chemistry, but we can do what we can. That's basically what it comes down to for the individuals and their local families, their local environment. Okay, we have a couple more, and then I'm going to let Emil go. Uh, he's been on for almost two hours. And uh, any pressing questions for Emil DeToffel, the owner of Less EMF and LessEMF.com. Arizona, you are on the air. Oh, yes. I just had one uh, uh, real estate um, and uh, that Curtis Bennett assigned me 
uh, smart meter fires and uh, electric shock drownings and also the fact that uh, they melted smart meters after a fire. They, the utility company says they own it. They steal it in the middle of the night. So Norman Lamb has like five or seven lawsuits to different smart meter fires and related EMF, RF, bodily injury, and structural damage. So uh, it's uh, the uh, Lloyds of London insurance adjuster. So it's not just the fact that they might drill holes, it's the fact that they steal the evidence in the middle of the night so there's no evidence or they'll slap a new one on like d down the street from my house we had a big fire. Also mm -hmm. Barry Trower asked me to continue my research on ESD electric shock drowning where on lakes and pools all over the U.S. there's been uh, 12 so far in Arizona since March. So I've been uh, noting the new water meters, which they tried to put on me and my neighbor, but I caught it because a friend who lived 12 miles away, they put on their fancy neighborhood meters on the water pipes that they tell the workers have a battery in it, and then the guy calls me from the water and says, oh, my, uh, call me back right away. My supervisor said, you're right, there's no battery, it's wireless. So they have this big wire coming out of it, Put, putting raw electricity right in the air, and when it drizzles, honey, I don't want to be walking with the IntelliLights. So, um, okay, so that's all I wanted to say. All right. Do you have a question for Emil before we move on? Uh, yes. Um, I I want to. My question is, how much can I thank you? That's my question. <laughs> okay, that's a good question. I like that. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes, because uh, he is providing a lot of materials, information. Um, you know, as a as a member of the you know nationwide society of shielding people, uh, we do thank you for your work and providing us with. Just, you know, all that you do. Okay, we have Grieb, you are unmuted and on the air. Oh, hi. Yeah, I've been, yeah, thanks for all the great meters and stuff and, and your time. I didn't, I wasn't here earlier. But I wanted to move on from the tri-field, you know, with the, because I have neighbors that uh, burn through their garage doors and then uh, they burn through the vehicles into stores on the way back. And they take down whole stores, you know, the customer base here, and uh, they'll set up a device. And now I notice the frequent, they're doing it a little different. You know, they're going from, I put it on the electromagnetic on my uh, tri-field, and it uh, goes from low to high, stays up at high for about a second, three-quarters of a second, and then starts slowly dropping down, never going to the bottom, and then they, and it cycles like that every five to ten seconds. And, but it never goes all the way down when I'm catching them in the parking lots. Is there a better meter than the tri-field? Uh, I meant to ask you in private, but uh, if you want to, if you have an answer to that, that you know, would do the EMF background field because I think that's their their coup de grace, their cat's meow, is, is bee's knees, is uh, this ELF and 
and then their bre- you know 50,000 mile long wave broken down 30 or 40 times per second, which would, I would think the waves would be still real long, and they could put a signal or some kind of a message on the on that wave. But I know it's a background field. You know, I always measure the background field, and that gives me you know direction to where the device is uh, set up. You know, and uh, you know, it's been really great. You know, those tri-fields, you can locate a weapon in 100 feet. But when they modulate the energy field, it makes it hard to get a location because they're going up and down, up and down, up and down. So you got to go to the high lows and the high highs, you know, to, and it's harder than just one, you know, steady, <clears throat> you know, equivalent field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So, Right, and that's true of when you're measuring the radiation from a cell phone, too, how it goes up and goes down and goes up. It's very hard to get a feel for what is the actual exposure level because it keeps changing. But to answer your question, what setting are you using on the tri-field meter when you're doing I always this use work? the electric. All, all you, it seems to be the most effective for these uh, terrorists, you know, these devices that they're burning with, burning the people with, uh, is the electric. Uh, I put it on, you get a, you get a uh, signal on all of it, though, you can locate it on all of it, but the electric, you get the most uh, reaction, you know, needle uh, reaction. You know, you get you get just what's really happening because they're putting you in that field to drive those waves through you, you know, wherever, you know, especially cotton clothes. And uh, it's just it's just a field day where if you're wearing cotton, it'll get through to you and it's horrible so i i switched to leather you know and uh avoided you know 90 percent of the burn but the if you don't wear gloves it'll burn your hands and you know i caught them raping all the ti's coming in and out till they were mad everybody's fighting poisoning you name it they're doing it all um it you know doing backstabbing things you know because they're getting raped they're getting raped coming in the gate and the guy had a weapon in his garage apparently it was in a <clears throat> when he opened his garage today after it looks you know his trigger man is gone and uh, he just opened it and there's a dishwasher and that was the case before he was he was a rental guy that has a rental agency and he apparently just supplies everybody with the devices in the neighborhood. Okay. So, but I'm trying to, you know, get enough sanity to get a letter to him to say, you know, enough's enough, you know. Okay. Great. Thank you, Don. We have a couple more people, and I want to let Emil have his night. Um, I want to announce also Huggy Bear is going to open a call later at midnight Eastern, which is 9 o'clock Pacific, at 135-643 to continue the conversation. That's in about an hour from now. Thank you, Huggy Bear. Okay, Memoir, you are unmuted and you're on the air. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, quite a while ago, um, another TI and I were discussing, um, I was getting hit with pulses of, I'll say, ELF. I don't really know what they are. Um, the other side, I was getting hit with acoustics, and that I know for sure. The gentleman installs commercial um, uh, video and audio systems, and he used to have his 15-year-old kid go out and 
I saw him actually aiming it at the house and hitting me with it. And the acoustics went through the wall. But my question is this. Um, When I turned the breakers off in the house, everything died down to where I could stand it, where it didn't, you know, I just could shrug it off and ignore it. When the Wi-Fi was turned on, it seemed, like I said, this other T, I used the term force multiplier. And I'm wondering if you do experimentation, you do work with this. Have you run into this where somebody really is pulsing an ELF or EMF? at someone and the Wi-Fi intensified it and when it was shut off, it went, uh, it was, it dissipated like 99%. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, no, we don't have experience with that. Okay. No. Well, maybe you might want to think about it and try it and see what happens. That would be a big boon to our community. Well, he did say that the three Ds, which I, I appreciate you, you know, simplicity is... Um, distance. You know, yeah, right. distance, deactivate, or deter. And so if you're having a problem with your Wi-Fi, I, you know, try to shut it off as much as possible. Well, I can't control the Wi-Fi because it's upstairs in another apartment and the people that I use the Wi-Fi for my stuff. Um, don't really feel that it's a bother. They don't. They don't understand a lot of this, so I can't right. turn it off. Uh huh. I wish I could, but I can't, right. and I can't have my own Wi-Fi in my own apartment because um, the electrical components are not here. I I can't hook it up here. It's not possible. But I was curious about that because it was really dramatic when and also when the breakers are shut off the house is dead and it's wonderful but I can still get hit with these pulses coming from another house and the acoustics also. What do you suggest? Like, I've picked up, I have a spectrum analyzer that I downloaded onto my iPod. It's called Spectrum View, and it's free. Uh, And I upgraded it uh, for a few dollars more. And it picked up a vibratory pulse and it showed it beautifully on the spectrum analyzer exactly what was going on. I sent this, um, I took a snapshot of it, and I sent it to some friends, um, Bill Binney, and um, it, it was very poignant. And I'm wondering, what do you suggest people do when they do have evidence like that? Okay. Should we send so it to you? Uh, no, don't send no. it to us. There's nothing we can do with it. The The first thing that I would suggest that you do is to figure out what kind of radiation is causing this 
uh, phenomenon on your spectrum analyzer, right? Uh, from your description, it's not clear to me. Is this sound? Is this electromagnetic fields? Is this something, a vibration? Is this something that's coming out of the iPod itself? It's not at all clear what is causing this to show up on the spectrum analyzer. So I would encourage you to do what detective work you need to to find out what is causing this thing to show up on the spectrum analyzer. What is the phenomenon? And second, then, where, of course, where is it coming from? You know, your description of turning off the power at the circuit breakers causing there to be a, a tremendous improvement says one thing and one thing only, that this, that much of what you're experiencing there is coming from ordinary sources in your home, the wiring, the lighting, the, the appliances, and so on. And I would address those. We talked about this at the beginning. I would start by addressing the things that you have control over. All right, let's say that you're able to do that, either by shutting off the breakers, which is fine, or by addressing the individual sources themselves. But you're still having this radiation coming in from outside, right, whether it's your neighbor's Wi-Fi or something else. You can do the architectural shielding, you know, shielding on the windows and the walls. You can shield your ceilings, uh, for example, with the shielding paint. Or you can do more personal shielding in the form of a shielded canopy or shielded bedding or shielded clothing, right? It would be very effective for shielding Wi-Fi and other wireless-type radiation. So these are the things that you can do. Uh, start with what you can control and address those things. And then if you need to, you want to address what's coming in from outside, you can. use Get, it, get a meter. Find out where it's coming. Is it mostly coming through the windows? Is it mostly coming through the ceiling? And so on and then start shielding there. If you shield something, let's say you decide I'm going to shield my kitchen ceiling, and you go ahead and you shield it, and you make your measurements, you say, okay, so it's a little bit reduced, but I need it to be more reduced, then you go the next step. Okay, so now where is it coming through? Is it coming through the outlets? Is it coming through the floor? You know, I mean, you have to diagnose this thing step by step, and you start by addressing the worst issue, and then remeasure. Okay, do, have I taken care of it? Great. If not, what's the next worst issue to deal with? And you work your way down. It's a process. Uh, because there are multiple sources coming at you from multiple directions, there usually isn't one simple fix to the whole thing, though as much as I would like to be able to offer you one. And so it takes, it takes some diligence and it takes some persistence to work your way through. Again, starting with the worst offenders, and work your way down until you feel, okay, I've done enough. I'm comfortable with the levels that I've been able to achieve through these various efforts. Stop here. Well, thank you so much, Emil. Um, you've been very informative. We don't want to take any more of your time tonight. I want to thank, for, thank everyone for calling in, listening, and for a very lively chat room tonight. Um, so, Give us your number one more time, and I'm going to let you go, and then we'll have an open chat for a little while and until uh, okay. the late-night calls start. Go ahead, Emil. Very good. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with everyone tonight. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can reach us. We're in the office weekdays from 9 to 5, New York time. You can reach us by phone. It's toll-free. It's 888-LESS-EMF. Don't, don't call 800-LESS-EMF. It's 888-LESS-EMF. Or you can go to the website anytime at lessemf.com. Thank you so much. Um, 
good luck with everything, and thanks for all of your information. Very well. And um, we will certainly keep you apprised of our uh, progress and, you know, take a look at some of the websites that may help. You know, there's going to be a larger community of people who are going to need these type of types of um, shielding and protection. Uh, Neil gave out one website, citizensaht.org. Uh, another website came to my attention the other night, which is informationfortis.wordpress.com, which has lots and lots of links of information and maybe uh, something that you can use for future customers. So um, thanks again, and uh, have a good night. Great. Good night, everybody. Okay, Starraid, if you would like to speak, and please make sure you don't have speakers on in your background. And we'll have an open discussion for a little while. Neil, you're on the air. Uh, Southeast Arizona, you're on the air. Go ahead. Okay. Um, did you say anything like, did you not use a smartphone? But I can't hear what you're saying. It's a little muffled. Oh. Um, did he say, like, don't use smartphones or anything about phones? Not specifically. He was talking about smart meters, mostly uh, how to shield from that. And he said, you know, if you, ha if you can, turn off any wireless devices as often as you can so you're not exposing yourself. He was talking about levels of exposure over time affecting the cells. So, um, you know, to, to turn them off when you don't need them or, uh, you know, put them away. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. But personally, I use my cell phone for shielding, and I've explained that on some other calls. And, um, you know, I'm using to radio transduce a lot of the signals. And that's a little more complicated. I don't expect to know exactly how it's done or how to explain how it's done, but I have used it and it's working. Would you fill everybody in on that, Sue? Because that's pretty golden information. Yeah, well, I, uh, you know, I got hit really hard in the last 10 years, and I started using my phone as uh, as a transducer, but I didn't find out till later that one of the reasons is that there's a fractal antenna inside every wireless device. And these fractal antennas are designed to receive a variety of signals, not just phone signals, not just Wi-Fi, GPS, satellite, all kinds, you know, more than we know. And probably there's a section that's devoted to government surveillance and whatever other chips are inside. So when I'm getting hit really hard and the magnets aren't working, the shielding, the pots and pans, whatever I got, the brick wall, if none of those things are helping to reduce or to attenuate the pain, I put my phone over it, and it goes away almost immediately. And I am telling you, after thousands and thousands of times. Now, why? I'm not what sure. Do you, wait a minute. What do you do with your phone? 
I put what? it over the spot that's being hit. Oh. Now, the signal is probably <clears throat> being absorbed by the phone. There's also the possibility that the phone is generating a noise-to-signal uh, noise ratio, which is interfering. And the other thing is the intelligence warfare community doesn't want our signals to go into the wrong hands, and so they shut it off before it goes. So three very important reasons why using the phone as a, an electronic countermeasure might be um, a way to go. In my case, it is. I've tried different phones. I had landlines for a long time, and I couldn't use my landlines in any way except to be wiretapped. But with the wireless technology, they're using it against us, but everything is two-way. You have to remember, every signal is at least two ways. It's sending and receiving all the time. So I'm, I'm going in the intelligence warfare direction, and I decided that if they want to slow down their signals, they should for good reasons. And that's, you know, to protect their own security. But if it did isn't it, that... Did it, did it ruin your phone? No. No, my oh. phone works fine. I got a new phone. One of them is... I mean, I've had old phones. They lasted me until the battery stopped charging, you know. And then I got another one. I also got uh, another little wireless device at the thrift store. I use that. I don't have any subscription to it. I'm not paying for minutes, but as long as I can turn it on and it still has an antenna that sends and receives, it works. So give it a try. That's the okay. only reason I would. It's the only reason I would keep my cell phone on because I spent several years traveling cross country, going to places that had no signal at all. You know, no plumbing, no electricity, no wires. And my stuff was all off with the batteries pulled out. And when I, uh, when I came back into civilization, I started using the phones again. So uh, just take that from my experience. I'm a witness. Go ahead, Neil. What were you going to say? I was just going to ask if you just have like a regular old uh, flip phone or a smartphone because I opened up an old flip phone and didn't find the the typical shapes that you had sent me a link about the fractal antennas in it. It was something different. Well, I I haven't pried open uh, the phone to, to see all the components. It may be some chips that are doing that. Um, so, but mine is a flip phone because I don't really want all those features on the smartphones, you know. I don't want all the apps and everything. So That's, that's um, all I wanted to specify is that yeah. if we haven't experimented Can, with using a smartphone yet, so just pay attention if you are going to try to do that with a smartphone. It Can might I, actually work can better. Ask, can I ask you a question, Sumaya? Yeah. Okay, and... I, don't be insulted by this, okay? It, it's just I'm curious about this, and I'm wondering if maybe either you and Neil could could answer and see if you got the same impression. But I I listened to his 
talk, and I found it extremely informative, and I probably will use some of his shielding suggestions. But I got the general impression that he didn't believe that this assault was either coming from outside or was real or was this just my misperception? Well, we can't expect everyone to be up on all the technologies of targeting and military-grade weapons. I invited him because he is informative. I don't expect people to know everything that we know, but um, just because a lot of our listeners have already bought some of his products and have questions, so I thought he would be a good guest. And we're going to have other guests. I mean, not everybody... Oh, no, no, no. I'm not criticizing him or you. I'm just saying that that, I got that impression, and I'm wondering if that was a a true impression. Uh, I want feedback is what I'm saying. Did other people get this impression from that he wasn't really knowledgeable about what we are going through. He knows uh, from what he's heard on the podcast that I sent him and from the website links and so forth that we gave out. And, um, you know, he's he's in the education mode. I think uh, I forgive him for not knowing or not believing because he's just one of many millions of people on the cutting edge. And I expect that in the next few years he will know and believe. And I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Thank you for that. Yes. You're welcome. Okay. Um, so star eight. If you'd like to join the conversation, hello, Linda, you are unmuted. Hi. Thank you for joining back. How are you? Fine. I I wish I'd listened to the call more because I didn't hear it, but I will I will listen to the recording. I'm okay. I'm good. Good. Yeah, um, we do have the recording. It will probably end up being about three hours long, but the yeah. first couple hours is where we had our guests. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having him. I'm sure he was quite helpful. He sounds knowledgeable. You know, mm-hmm. and he yeah, knows. he introduced himself as an engineer. Oh, but actually, it was chemical engineering. But um, huh. he he didn't seem to know anything about the polymers, so I skipped that topic. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know anything about the polymers either. I got to learn. I should talk to you more mm-hmm. about that because I'm not that familiar with that. But yeah, well, he, I don't... He, he has a nice voice. He he, you know, easy to listen to, and sounds yeah. very very informed, and that's cool. Did, mm-hmm. Was it was a comment that he didn't really believe we were TIs? Was that? I'm not sure. I, I didn't understand the last question. I think that the, uh, yeah, some of the TIs may feel that he didn't believe that there was actual targeting or experimentation going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not going to criticize anybody for yeah. that because as much as he's educating us, we are educating him right back. So yeah. it's a two-way thing again. And yeah. um not everybody's going to know as much as we do. I mean, we are full-time researchers here. Yeah. And, um, if you're not a TI, odds are you don't really know much about it, which is what we're in the process of trying to, you know, change. But um, that makes sense, you know, if you don't. So, Maya, do you, do you think you could have a guest on 
that is knowledgeable in the field of infrared? That's a good idea. Um, like FLIR, F-L-I-R, I think they moved to Canada. Uh, yeah. They're up in Canada now. I would love to hear uh, a, a talk on infrared. Yeah, well, I think that is a good idea, actually, and I'll bet they were pretty knowledgeable about it, you know, through the wall technology and so forth. And uh, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. But I guess while we're all together here um, on that topic, we're still sort of juggling the Saturday night calls. I've been filling in for Shelly for about a month now. And, uh, you know, Linda's taking up some, Ella, and I've been doing every Wednesday. Um, but since our Wednesday calls, like the last couple of weeks have been moving into a more meditative uh, coping skills mode, I'd like to move our Wednesday call over to my number so that, um, you know, we can really feel free to talk about those things. And anyone who's critical of it doesn't have to come. <laughs> so that number for Wednesdays will be one three four eight four five titled Quantum Theology. I've had it on TalkShoe for several years. So um, Wednesday calls will be 134-845, and I hope that uh, we'll be able to move the numbers over as well. Good. This coming Monday? Or Wednesday, I'm sorry. This coming Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah, just for Wednesdays. Uh, We haven't decided yet on the Saturday calls if... um, you know, if Shelly comes back, we're hoping mm-hmm. that she'll take up the 66339 since nobody else has those codes. Um, or else we'll just switch off and take turns on this number, 139381, and make this our Saturday call. So uh, moderators, let's get together and brainstorm how we want to do that. I don't think I should do two calls a week only because the targeting has been so brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, and it's really my only reason. Otherwise, I, I would help every night if I could. It's just that the targeting has gotten really horrendous. So uh, I'm going to stick to one night a week if that's okay with everybody. Mm-hmm. Can I say one more thing, and then I'll hang up, please? I watched a movie tonight called The Last Enemy, and it was for everybody who's interested in nanotechnology. It was all about how they the government has a program of tagging people with nanotechnology and they go through the whole movie trying to figure out what's going on. And they also had a subset experimentation within this experiment and it was, um, they called it a genetic bomb, a genetic F. F- ethnic bomb and what they it was kind of like um people who uh like have certain blood types or like uh sickle cell anemia that's conducive to black people or whatever they could uh, i i don't know if it was a virus that they were using but some sort of a genetic manipulation where the people who had that trait would be affected by it and basically kill them off. But it was a good movie. It's called The Last Enemy. And for those mm-hmm. who are interested in nanotechnology, you'll love it. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> thanks, Memoir. And thanks for bringing up those subjects. 
Strider, uh, you know something about that, don't you? The uh, the ticking time bomb in our DNA and how it's being micro-sequenced. I do. I mean, uh, there's so much to learn. Skizit was blessed with a couple of books that are $200 to buy on nanotech, and I've been studying as I can. I'm torn in so many directions, but what I'm finding is that some of the building materials for building some of the nanobots and, and the conductors are things that are found in chemtrails. And this is why I gave a warning, which actually came from Dr. Staninger through somebody to me to not use colloidal silver internally because it's conductive. And so out of curiosity, anybody who can come up with information to verify the activated charcoal does completely leave the body, please do so. Because if we can't, I, I took an ohm meter and I took a activated charcoal capsule and you know put it in a little pile. And when I put my ohm meter on it, it, it conducts like crazy. We don't want to put conductors in our bodies. I am actually have become more concerned over nanobots and any nanotech that actually can have instructions written within it to go in and do a particular thing. And uh, if I didn't say it already, Magnus Olsen apparently has done some research and found that our DNA is antennas. And uh, another topic that would be nice to cover a little tonight later on is uh, very bizarre, but keep your minds open, etheric level implants. So there's something going on in multidimensional uh, stuff that's being verified by people like Andrew Baziago, who's come forward and said that he was in a, a time travel program when he was younger and uh, has also done teletransporting. And there's just some kind of weird stuff. I don't know if it's going on with CERN, but I've actually become more alarmed by the nanotechnology that's being put on, in us in a variety of ways, you know, our food, air, water sources as being more of a threat than implants are. Um, and, and it is frequency responsive according to, to the information that I've gotten so far in Skizit's research. Mm -hmm. um, Very and I'm good. seeing something, fluorescent little patches in... Uh, in my blood and other body fluid samples and when you read about quantum dots it describes that uh, those things are actually marked with with fluorescence materials and so that stuff shouldn't be beautiful fluorescent yellows and and very deep rich purples glowing as if they have their own iridescence mm-hmm yeah. um, my suggestions are uh, the more people that jump on board to experiment with using the ion detox foot bath. Uh, somebody sent me a link the other day that's good new information rather than having to pay 130 bucks for one of these units, which you don't need all the bells and whistles, is just to go to the dollar store, buy two little buckets that would you know, be big enough to fit one foot in each one, buy two pieces of wire with alligator clips on the end 
and a 9-volt battery. And all you do is put about a tablespoon of salt in the water to make it more conductive. And then you hook one wire up to the plus side of the 9-volt battery and then hook it up to a spoon or a fork or any kind of utensil uh, that's comfortable to fit in there with it. And then to the negative side, hook the alligator clip with the wire on it up to the other side of the battery and another spoon or fork. And I, I will give a warning that some of the old uh, chrome-plated silverware, well, it's not silver, it's just uh, utensils. If you see pitting in any of the chrome stuff and it looks black underneath, it may be lead. So we don't want to use that. I mean, you'd really be better off to go to a thrift store and get a mismatch of a couple of real silver-plated spoons. Um, but apparently this is working really well. What I'm seeing, uh, you'll have vaccines come out of you and you'll actually smell that that hospital kind of smell and you'll have heavy metals come out of you. So the experiment is to undo some of the positively charged particles that are involved in the nanotechnology that's that's being built in probably just about everybody on the planet's body. Uh, and these are frequency responsive. The quantum dots are actually, you know, like two-way crystal radios and semiconductors. This is a big threat. So if we can strip yeah. this stuff out of us, it'll it may end up being a blessing. Yeah, very good. A little complicated, I think, for the beginners to understand. But you know, I guess if you keep talking about it, um, eventually. Yeah, just if you look up Nina Silver, I think Skizzit will probably put it in the newsletter this week, but Nina is N-E-N-A-H, and then Silver is S-Y-L-V-E-R. She's a Ph.D. who wrote the 707-page Rife Handbook and donated a copy to me after my house was burned to the ground. She's, she's a sweetheart and a great researcher and a smart person. So this this is a cheap cheap way to do this, and, and by letting you know by putting my feet in the two buckets, or actually I did it with one, um, which shows YouTube demos on Ion Detox I O N D E T O X. Um, after a half hour of my feet being in there, what settled to the bottom was about three quarters of an inch of something black very thick, I mean like like carbon. I don't mean, you know, like viscosity thick like oil or something. I mean it was very dense. And so I put it under my microscope. I'm an amateur microscopist, so and I'm not a metallurgist, so I you know, didn't see anything significant that that bothered me. But just understand the basic principles for anybody who questions what an ion detox unit is doing is there's positive and negative charged particles and by hooking electricity up to them and then putting your feet in it, you're making a connection with the battery or a battery charger or a whole ion detox unit off eBay or Amazon and it's actually pulling the the heavy metals and vaccines out of your body in very, very small particles that will come through the pores of your feet some people would challenge it and say, 
well, I didn't put my feet in there. I turned it on and the water turned brown. All that is is the metal plates are oxidizing because it's it's like electroplating. So don't be discouraged. Uh, you know, anybody who wants to say it's controversial, there's practitioners that have actually uh, gotten before and after lab tests to confirm particular heavy metals and materials found in vaccines and then tested what came out in the water and it didn't match up. Okay, good. Um, let's get on with another part of the conversation. Uh, Southern California, is that Corey? You are unmuted. Okay. <laughs> Um, this was a question from a while back, but um, when I used my EMS, when I used my EMS meter and I went around my cell phone, it was sometimes low and sometimes super high, and it just kind of varied. Um, so my thought was to be away from your cell phone as much as possible, like at night, not have it in your bedroom or whatever. But then you were saying that it actually can shield you, so I'm trying to understand whether it's good or bad. Well, we already, you know, pretty much established that the the meter readings are going to go up and down because we're living in a fluid environment of data and wireless signals. Uh-huh. So you just have to maybe, you know, take an average and maybe log it. Okay, there's been a, there's a strong reading on this wall every Thursday, you know, and uh-huh. or. You know, there are times of the day where you can say this is definitely radio because there's a radio tower or this is definitely radar and it happens every night, you know. Uh, So you can find out those kinds of things on your own and try to log it and shield those areas. I don't know what kind of frequencies they are because I just have an electric smog meter and I don't really understand what's radar and what EMS and what... Mm-hmm. ELS. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, a lot of the materials are going to be multifaceted. So, for instance, um, you know, let's say you have a, you decide that there's too many signals coming in on one wall or, you know, it's the direction of a radio tower. Well, put up a bookshelf, you know, and if put your books in there and put your knickknacks and create a giant organ unit on that wall. It will still look okay, but you can put books, which are basically carbon-based, are a good shield. You know, metal items, plates, cups, um, trinkets, all of those things will act as a shield. And eventually, you'll cover a wide range of frequencies. That's my suggestion for that. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, uh, California, you are unmuted. You're on the air. California. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, quickly say about what Neil was talking about, the etheric implants, that... um, I saw information on um, a website called New World War, and that's where I had read about etheric implants. And I had been di- I had been told I had those by somebody who had equipment to diagnose that. Mm-hmm. And um, if you read through what the symptoms are, 
they're they're really really destructive to our internal dialogue and a number of other things. And they have very very specific uh, symptomology, and so I just would say that if anybody's wondering if they have them, that there's an article there you can read about them and figure out if you you're matching the symptoms of them, and um, it, it's pretty self-explanatory. Okay. Good. Um, we're going to keep going. This running, we're running out of time now because I'm going to close this a little bit before nine o'clock. Southern California, you are unmuted and on the air. Yeah. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm going to open up my call now, so it's uh, okay. going to be at one three two three four nine. Mhm. One three okay. two three four nine. Okay, that's good. If you open now, then I can close a little bit earlier than 9 o'clock. That will work. Okay, I'll, I'll okay. actually tell you when it's actually open. Hang on. All right. Okay, Texas, you are unmuted and on the air. And whoever's doing that background hey, noise, I'm going to have to mute. Hey. Yeah, I missed a lot of the call then because I'm trying to figure out what number it was. And I heard Neil too. Is it, uh, let me ask you, is there anybody on this call that knows the, the targeting for Mormons? Do you know who that belongs to? And we're not going to go into accusations. Please stick to, you know, just okay. open your call. I don't want to get into all kinds of arguments right now. Okay, go ahead, Texas. Okay, okay yeah, this is Elaine in Houston. I wanted to set up something, okay? Yeah, I missed a lot of the call, man. Because mm-hmm. I was trying to find a number, and then I had some things going on. I was trying to get John over here. But I just started thinking about something when Neil was saying about the density of the little black uh, objects that would come from the feet, from the skin. And for some odd reason, it just came to me, and I, I wonder, could it be rubber? I don't know why. I just felt like tar or something. Well, black specks, Neil, it could be carbon or it could be, you know, actually iron particles or aluminum that have somehow, you know, changed color in the body. What do yeah, you think? Probably some kind of, uh, probably some metallic substance. If it's ionized, then metallic substances would be attracted to that. Guess one day we will know. And thank mm-hmm. you too. This is this is Ella. Ella. Ella too. This is Sue. Okay, yeah, okay. I'm sending you a hug. <laughs> I wish she could see I'm over hugging myself. But okay, okay. I'm gonna go ahead and mute. And, uh, okay, you can star six. Anybody who's open and has background noise, you can star six and block the noise so we can continue an open discussion. And, uh, Grebe, you are on the air. Don? Oh, I thought we were going to just have a back-and-forth discussion, but, no, I, I was just commenting yeah. about the meters, but, you know, the, the ones to uh, identify where this stuff is coming from. But, uh, um, you know, I'm pretty much versed in the PERP uh, tactics, so, you know, catch, you know, I'm pretty sure the template's everywhere, the whole, you know, it's just a stock. You know, that's what I get is stock and burn and then the medical setups and mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, if, you know, it's because, you know, there's there's so much what they call perception, you know, 
uh, misperception managers so that we go off in the wrong directions and it won't, we don't, we're not catching these people when they're actively uh, doing their operations because they're so powerful a weapon and they know how to fill us up with these frequencies so we don't get any sleep at night, which is, there's, that again can be a misperception if, if you're not understanding that, that it's the sleep cycle is, is um, you know, the healing cycle or a, a sleep cycle is going to fill up the body with this lymph and you're, you're not going to sleep from mm-hmm. something that happened hours earlier or, uh, yeah. or it could be just long-term radiation injury that, you know, the immune system just can't handle, you know, that you got from a medical setup where they bring you, you know, they have their Judas goats. It's a eugenics program, and they've decided that, you know, they're going to call in the operators to have you burnt in their offices because, you know, they can, they have the devices legally and law, you know, legally from licensed by the state, your state board that regulates radiation devices they got them you know all kinds of them once they get it's like you know getting a license to drive a semi uh uh you know a race car down the road they you know once you get one license you're licensed for it all you know so you know it's been traditional to to cook people you know to bring them into medical or dental and, and infect them and you know it's uh it's just a standard operation, and and unless we target the targets back and to to generate some some momentum in that direction, we're just going to be going off on these uh, exotic tours of cell towers. Which you know, if you don't live within a quarter mile, you don't need to worry about a cell tower. They, as far as I know, I've I've never measured much over a quarter mile from a cell tower. If you're closer to a cell tower either try to get it removed or get out of there because I don't you know but like you say bookshelves and different things will block a hell of a lot the more mass you have between yourself and the direction of the cell tower but but without meters you without at least a tri-field meter or a radio frequency meter you know because they're the cheaper ones go out all the you know they they're really finicky and they're they're sensitive and they you know they 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 can lie unless you're close up to the cell tower. They're not going to give you a good read. If you're if you're in a marginal area, then it's going to be iffy as as to what's going on because the meters uh-huh. won't act. A lot of these meters aren't sensitive enough, and you got to really you know to get to the quality meters that may be a thousand dollars, and it and it's just yeah. Well, just, and if you go up, if you up grade you also have to upgrade your knowledge of how to read them and how to use them you know how to analyze what you're getting and what would you do yeah, with your data? It, it's just a relative to, fi- to find the weaponry you just need an ef emf you know you but mm-hmm. i wouldn't get the window stuff the stuff with the digital because it might be easier to scucker the needle meter the tri-field is really the the iron you know it's the uh, ten, uh what do you call it boilerplate for finding these devices you know in your path which is the path back to your car from a store that's that's their main operation that rest is is you know they're they they move it through the garages in the neighborhood and and they get it on into the pathways to the mailbox or taking out your garbage 
they only need to burn you a few seconds every couple of weeks to keep you totally deranged, you know, with the CLF, because it's, this stuff beaches whales and porpoises. It is powerful technology. Yeah, oh, yeah, you know, we, we know that. We know. I mean, we know that they're using really powerful stuff out there in the oceans that we haven't even had. You know, and that's in the us. garages. They're bringing it into the neighborhoods to grow. Because we're just barrels of water waiting to be grounded with their devices. And they're more than happy to oblige. You know, it doesn't take much to tick them off. I think, you know, just like a loud motorcycle coming into your yard or something, that might tick a guy off. And, and they just bring the weapons. It's a matter of course. I, I've seen it over and over now for, you know, 15 years, same perps, same MOs, you know, and I've, caught, I, I've been measuring out of their garages for almost four years now. Every, You know, but they only use it every couple of years for a few weeks. And, they're very selective that you know how to how they burn you know each person yeah. and they, it, depends it, on, me, it depends on your specific targeting probably yeah, so. but the devices and the template is the same it's it's so much is serendipitous you know what you're wearing if you're the centralized target if you know now are they going to rape the women now are they going to rape the kids you don't know what what their mindset is so um not that I have kids, but um, they, you know, it, you know, you don't know exact, say there's a, a man, you know, somebody was molested when they were a child, then they can activate that and, and say that that other person's a child molester, you must poison them. You know, it could be an oh. ELF, it could be on an ELF signal. I don't know. I know. But okay. Okay. This, well, let's let some other people talk now. Okay. Right, I'm right. sorry. I have to keep it democratic. That's how I am, you know. Uh, star 8, if you would like to speak, um, we're going to thank you. We're going to have two calls opening. One is now open, 132-349 at Corey's. And Huggy Bear is opening a call. I'm not sure if it's open right the second, 135-643. Give them both a call if you'd like to continue uh, conversing and sharing. And be nice. There's a lot of negative chat going on in the chat room, but I don't feel like um, muting everybody in the chat room. Just, you know, we're we're all in this together. So, yes, Huggy Bear is having a call, 135-643. And I'm going to check just really quickly. Could somebody let me know? if it already is going, and as soon as that's going, I will be able to close this and pass the baton. Okay, West Washington State, you are unmuted. Oh, hi, yeah. I was wondering, if Neil's still on, was he talking about uh, not ingesting uh, conductive material? Would that include, because I know a lot of TIs have been buying Aura Metallicum, and that has, has been reported to be something that's good, but um, it does have its questions. So I wonder if he's talking about that, for one thing. Well, Aura Metallicum is basically uh, um, monatomic gold, which is a conductor. Um, okay. And some people have had good results with it. But I can't say for everybody. Neil, do you know anything about that monatomic gold and how that helps or not? 
Yeah, I mean, I certainly wouldn't think I'm an expert or anything, but I I usually go on Amazon and I watch reviews for products and prices and find that middle of the road of a good product. And I ended up over at uh, what's called Phineas Mana, which is spelled P-H-I-H-E-A-S, uh, and getting their monatomic gold. Uh, I didn't get the impression that there was actual real gold in it. It seemed like it was some kind of a trace mineral complex. So I, well, I couldn't answer it. Okay. Yes. I, mm-hmm. I bought some, but the person who sold it to me, I found some locally. And she says, now, what are you using this for? Well, I couldn't explain it very well to her, uh, you know, clearly. So she said, uh, just know that this one little thing is enough for about four lifetimes. So I, I'm not going to use it for a while until we, you know, until we have some results on it. Second thing I wanted to ask you, Neil, um, I see I get these catalogs, and they're advertising a pocket jammer. All it's supposed to do is jam uh, any signals that come in to invade your, you know, your credit cards and that sort of thing. It's an RFID jammer. Are you familiar with that? And is that of any use to us if we put it somewhere else besides our pockets? Well, I mean, it is to some extent, and the reason you don't hear me talking about it is that the FCC will stick up for the telecommunications industry and, of course, any emergency communications network. So I don't want anybody to get put in jail. Um, but the, I mean, they'll stick up for them, and you could sit there and say, well, I'm being hit with microwave and this and that, and they won't help us. This is what I found out. But the the few people that I know that are going to jammerall.com and a few other places that are selling a variety of jammers are getting some relief as to whether their $75 cell phone jammer or the one you're talking about would do enough good without getting you in trouble. Uh, I really couldn't verify it. The, The range on them is is limited, at least on the the handheld uh, cell phone wow. jammer for 75 on Jammerall. Okay. And, uh, and the only problem with jammers is um, they're usually limited, like you say, to the frequencies. Um, and then they can change frequencies or they can turn it up on you and make mm-hmm. your targeting worse. So that can happen also. Okay. Uh, something else, too. So you were talking about using your cell phone. You know, for years uh, we've kind of observed on the call that we can be hit all day and sit down and get on the call, and while we're using our cell phone, seems to lessen. Everybody's always said that, or we kind of agreed yeah. on it for a long yeah. time. I don't know if that has anything to do with what you were talking about or not. But Well, I'm using it more specifically in targeted areas of my body. Um, but the reason I think that the targeting lightens up when we're on the calls is because of the same intelligence warfare concept that I was saying, that they're um, probably more hesitant to reveal their own systems, logistics, analytics, locations, and everything else that's related to it because there's so many of us. And then multiply that with the number of operatives that are handling us, and that's, you know, in the hundreds and thousands. So I think just for security reasons, um, they might lighten up on those signals just, you know, so there isn't as much exposure. Okay. 
that, well, that explains because all this time I just kept thinking, well, maybe they're turning it down to feel what we're talking about. I had no idea. So it's, mm-hmm. you tell it with much more sense. Uh, the last thing was, I think, now I think I remember Curtis Bennett, primary field. Isn't that an infrared technology? He does healing with that, doesn't he? Oh, there is an infrared healing um, machine or maybe several of them now, and I've heard people get good results. So, yeah, that is a possibility. I don't know exactly what he's using. I thought he was. He might be an interesting person to have on sometime. Thank you for the call. Oh, yeah. call. Appreciate You're it. welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being so nice. Okay, Northeast New York, you are also on the air. Oh, That's hi. Um, yes, I was glad to hear your speaker tonight. And I have not really had a reduction of frequency the last several days. And um, I think I have to contact the FCC. That's the next step. Um, I received a letter from the Department of Health, and they referred me to the FCC. And um, it wasn't a form letter, um, but I've had this for several years, and I would have hoped that it would, um, you know, have diminished or if I had taken taken charge of um, some shielding and so forth, it would diminish accordingly. Um so I'm listing it for information, and I just would like to encourage everyone to um, take advantage of some of these um, later findings um, that we're learning about tonight and otherwise, and to move ahead, and hopefully there'll be some type of regulation on you know, the companies maybe will start making these cell phones so that they're um, they have to conform with some type of um, standard, you know, that doesn't emit so much radiation. Yeah, well, they do to some degree, but then they upgrade the amount that is legal. And the other thing is sometimes they just, I mean, Samsung just recalled its new uh something or other seven mm-hmm. and because and because it's the ba- the batteries are burning out or starting fires so you know if they keep pushing it they're going to destroy their own market you know that might be a po- possibility in the future you know if it damages uh causes a lot of recalls and lawsuits so of course they're gonna they're gonna back down and who needs that much energy you know going through your phone and burn up. Sure, and if, you know, they take them on a flight and they're in the air, that's mm-hmm. even more dangerous. So, Well, that's yeah. why they tell them to turn them off. Um, but, they, you know, lately they're letting people use Wi-Fi after liftoff, and I don't see how that is actually going to help them navigate because there's hacking and there's all kinds of, there's so many frequencies that can interfere with radar, the signals of the plane, the flight, you know, and uh, with the the towers, you know, the control towers. So, so much of that, so much of that is really navigating the data soup, as I call it, and they just have 
They might come up with more rules, you know, not letting people use their Wi-Fi on the planes or, you know, I don't know. But, like, even if you shut yours off, other people are going to have theirs on. So that's a whole other, you know, it's it's a real problem because you really can't go anywhere without it. You know, people, other people have it on. Yeah. Other people have yeah. it going through their walls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, they do. And, and those signals can be triangulated by the powers that be, you know. Uh, a person could be sitting there checking their email, not know that their laptop is being used as a weapon. Totally clueless. They don't know. But it can be because of these uh, fractal antennas and the delivery systems and, you know, things coming and going that they're not looking at. They don't know how to analyze. Well, that's good to know. I appreciate that. Maybe that's part of the answer. <laughs> you know, I didn't just in in a few cases, you know, but I want to look at the the big picture and um, you know, try to be try to be a helpful person overall in in remedying this for people. So, um, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for joining and bringing up those points. Okay. The other star eight, you can stay on. Oh, we've got another. Uh, anybody else who wants to share before we close? Did Ella come on the call tonight? Ella, are you there in Oregon? I'm going to unmute Oregon. Oregon? It's not Ella. It's Amy. Hi, Amy. Okay. Hi. Yeah, I'm just listening. Quiet. Hi, Amy. Okay, well, I'm going to wind down now and uh, just let you know. I'm going to try doing the Wednesday calls on my call number at 134-845, the quantum theology calls. Since the last few weeks, we've been moving more into coping skills and and, uh, countermeasures for mind control. So that's where we're going to go with that. And the activism call will lie... Uh, open on, I guess we'll do Saturdays and switch off between the moderators. Uh, We haven't decided that yet. Until we do, we'll let you know when we find out. Okay. What time is your call? What's that? What time is your call on Wednesday? Oh, it'll be the same usual time, like 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific. And um, I don't think I'll do five hours. Uh, Three hours is seems to be my maximum so but you know we'll record them people can listen and also these calls uh, from the last few weeks are recorded so anybody wants to they'll be available for download it's interesting that the numbers have really gone up lately we've had like 115 listeners and like 40 downloads like the last time I checked so we're doing something here I don't know what, but we're doing something. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so have a good night. Blessings to all. Keep the faith, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>